Hello and welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. I'm joined by the full compliment this week. First, he's a platforming prodigy. He's a man with a lot to say. He's Mark Robinson. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, Dave. I'm great, in fact. I'm 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 a scissor lift. Scissor lift. Yeah. A, a scissor lift on the scaffolding of life. That's what they, yeah. that's what they always call you, my friend. Yeah. Have you been dealing with the cold snap? Uh, that we've uh, not very well. So I, uh, you know, I was talking with Maria actually earlier about this, and she still cannot understand how I was living with you for that period of time, and you know, just enduring the cold as I was. And weirdly yeah. enough, like it was probably colder then than it is now. Well, yeah, um, well, that was because um, you arrived the year that I said I was going to stop paying for the heating. So yes, we were going to get heating. Then everybody had to chip in, and mysteriously, we stopped getting heating at that point. Yeah, but but crucially, the thing is, is like it was colder then than it is now. But I feel the colder more, yeah. and I don't know if that's like just because I'm older now or like the anxiety kind of has an effect because it, it can play a part in some ways. Also at the time you were sleeping about three inches off the ground on a mattress as opposed to a bed frame. So like all the oh. ghosts were coming under door frames at you. Yeah. I'm so disappointed. Yeah. I thought Mark could levitate above the ground then. He was just sleeping very, yeah. very No, yeah, it was, but he floor. was levitating beside the mattress. Can you imagine being only able to levitate three inches? I mean, it's a pretty good party trick, but it loses uh, its intrigue very quickly, doesn't yeah. it? You could do like the fake out of, do you know the way people use like the dry ice to make it look like they're levitating? And you're just like, oh, it looks like the stage trick and then dry ice gets blown away. And he actually is levitating very slightly. Yeah. That'd be a good sight. Pretty like impressive. Uh, yeah. The Sidona Simp is also joining us here. You might have heard him, the Roman Reigns of Audio. Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? You have 30 seconds. Yeah, I've engaged mouthful mode, Dave. Um, you know, so uh, I'm ready to rock here. You are insatiable. That is, That's what that, they... you are known for that. Uh, yes. Rounding us out as well, the nexus of humanity himself, Garrett Kidney. That one's sticking around two weeks running. How are you, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> I have consumed a microphone hole to give myself podcast mouth, and now here we are. Ooh. <laughs> I see. Tasty. You are, you are become podcast. Very vor-centric podcast opening here. <laughs> um, yeah, has it been cold down there this week, Garrett, as well? Because I know, like, down your end of the, the the country, you get a real battering with the extremes when it's already bad up here. Yeah, you know, us Corkonians are naturally bitter people, so we just... <laughs> the cold comes to us. It's drawn to us. It's a magnetic force. I'm very much not prepared for cold because it was pretty mild for a while. And then I went because I go for a walk at like midnight every night wearing shorts because I'm a psychopath. And I went out one night. And it's like, oh, no, it's actually cold. Not just like, you know, winter. It's yeah. no, it's, it's like actually cold, like salt trucks passing me on this walk. Yeah. It's not just brisk. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, I really feel like I want to sit down and just kind of document what your sleeping schedule is, Garrett. And just kind of like because it's it's. I think it goes against all like aspects of science and what is it's, normal and yeah. healthy. I, I, I think <laughs> if the medical term is borderline rover sleep schedule. Oh no, that's the worst thing you've ever said to me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anyone's wondering, I'm not cold. Um, I'm fine. You know, didn't get the same courtesy level as these two, clearly. Just, uh, just throwing my diva toys out of the pram here. Here he is. Here he is again. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you're in England. Like the yeah. weather is about twenty fifth in terms yeah. of the worst things to worry I, about. Right? I hope the uh, 
bowl of blue M&Ms we sent to the post is to your liking, sir. There was one brown one in there. I nearly didn't do the show this week. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Even. Good Lord. Speaking of things you've seen, Jack, let's just start with you. What have you seen this week? Um, so I guess I'm going to keep one of them brief just because we did like a pretty much potted history of the whole franchise last yep. time round. But I saw the it. Jackass movie. Yes. And you know what? I loved it. It was fantastic. It was a great celebration of everything I really enjoy about Jackass and the camaraderie of all those guys. And I really enjoyed all the new people and Danger Aaron basically got killed in the movie several times. And... Had a good had a good smile on his face at the end of it about the whole yeah. thing and yeah it was it was a good time I went and saw it with some friends it was a great movie to go and see with people so you can all just sort of look at each other like can can you believe they actually did that that that's that's crazy um I, it's called Jackass Forever it really should be called a Jackass for penile torture yeah. because it just seemed like at least half of the bits involved someone getting hit at high impact in the nuts for some reason but uh yeah. Great film, very funny. Um, wouldn't be averse to even seeing another one with some of the new people. Yeah, um, we'll get to the new people in a second, but I actually was listening to Danger Aaron did a, one of Steve-O's podcasts uh, yeah, just so after so they finished the press junket, and he was talking so about, about that. There is a couple of pranks that are very specifically targeted towards uh, one of Aaron's organs, and he was talking about how uh, <laughs> he's like... Uh, his girlfriend uh, found out she was pregnant during the the filming of it and he was just like I didn't tell anybody and I didn't even want to tell you guys because they were like oh look he's having his kid he doesn't need it anymore so we can go (laughs) extra hard (laughs) (laughs) oh god if that wasn't them going extra hard then Jesus Christ I don't know what they would have done to the poor guy but yeah um, there was some things that happened to that poor man in that movie that uh, yeah will make make anybody with a certain part of an anatomy wince uh, so yeah. yeah for me it was one of those i've had it a couple of times since uh cinemas reopened last summer where i sat down and watched it and went that's the movie i needed right now you know yeah, 100% it yeah. was probably the most so the most packed film i've been at since it all came back was spider-man obviously and sure. I got part of that sense of being in a crowd, which was a big rush because, you know, some of the reveals and the pops in that movie, get, you know, were, were really fun to be in an audience with. But in terms of like this movie and the roller coaster of emotions, because obviously like you're howling with laughter for most of the movie, there's moments where you shriek and almost look away. And then, you know, as we alluded to last week and as you alluded to here, Jack, you know, there are genuinely heartwarming moments. And I found, you know, a little tiny tear welling in my eye at the end um, at the, the little kind of wrap up they did for it. Um, it was really, really good. Um, Mark, you also saw it. Um, and what did you think of it? And also we'll get you to... T- uh, to kick things off talking about the, the newbies to the Jackass squad because by, by their own admission the lads are get you know they can't get many more concussions uh, so the, there's some fresh meat in here yeah it's um yeah, so one of the things coming into this is like, okay, how will the the older guys, the originals, how will they do in this film in terms of like the the knocks that they're going to take, and they they take their uh, their hardship during the film, and how will the the new people come in, and like, will the dynamic feel different? Will it feel forced, and will the the omission of Bam Margera and obviously the tragic passing of Ryan Dunn, how will that all fare? And 
like the spectre of Bam and Don, you don't really feel it in the film. Uh, the new not, people, not Bam, anyway. Do you know no, what I mean, um, no. I, I like because I read a news story a couple of like maybe a month ago where because Bam had taken them all to court in the midst of his most recent breakdown. Did he take them or was it the the uh, uh, Paramount Studios? Is yeah, is like a Paramount and uh, is it Dick House as a production company? Yes, yeah. and Knoxville as and well. Knoxville, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, three okay. three lawsuits. Yeah, Jesus. so. I, I he won one of them and I thought I had read that the thing was him getting put back in the film because like he um he had recorded some stuff during the early period of filming with them yeah. seemingly yeah because you see like that one tiny clip he's in with yeah. the treadmills yeah um so I was kind of like I didn't notice he wasn't in it until it was over and I was leaving and thinking god he he wasn't in that I think Dunn is more missed of, of the two of them because, you know, they, they've all said it themselves. In some ways, he was like the, the anarchic heart of the group. Um, But it was still a tremendous film. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. Because no, was yeah, yeah. But I also think as well, and again, let's not do a whole kind of recap again, but having gone back and watched bits and pieces here and there, and maybe it's me being oblivious to it and, and whatnot, but I look back at some of it as like, Bam, for large parts of his time in that show and in CKY, is a bit of a prick. Yeah. In a in a real kind of unredeeming way. Yeah, I I think some of it. I think his stuff is probably the the stuff that holds up least well of all of them, because I think like even though like you know a lot of his most legendary stuff is just like shit he does to ruin April and Phil's lives, and much as like you hear them in the years hence, and they like you know without outright saying it and shattering kayfabe you read between the lines it's like they were pretty much in on all of us uh with yeah. the exception of a couple of bits but it does come off like more him basically bullying his dad or beating the shit out of him and ripping his shirt off while he's trying to take a shit uh is <laughs> like is more mean-spirited than mm. some of the other stuff because it's like yeah. you know phil and april exist outside the core crew so it's like yeah, well, no matter what the main guys do to each other, it's like, ah, oh, it's all in good fun, but it's like, it's almost like with April and Phil, these are normies that are having to go through all this. Um, yeah, but, but like, to bring it back, like, the, the new crew, yeah, I think they all fit in well and they do their parts. And, like, I was fully on board with this film about five minutes in where I think it's, like, the, the second uh, bit is uh, where they have, there's a, it's a, a trivia quiz and there's three of them. <laughs> And um, they have to answer questions correctly, and if they get them incorrect, they're all standing over like a like a kind of um, a lever or something that will smack them in the dick. The first of many attempts to yeah. like a, a, a lever that has a, like a silicone foot on us. Yes, it's you know a blunt force trauma to the dick basically will ensue if you get a question wrong. And I, I think it's like the third or fourth. Well, for a start, like Johnny accidentally presses it like once <laughs> or twice. Which there, you know, the skit's already legendary. Um, but there's a bit towards the end where uh, someone gets a question wrong, but then Johnny presses the wrong button and Aaron gets it in the dick. And uh, from there on, I was like, okay, this film can do anything else and I'm fully on board of it anyway. Mm. But yeah, I, overall, I, I saw it again, as I said last week, I saw it in a cinema at uh, about 11, t- 10 to 11, and there was about four people in there. And we were all having a grand old time. So I would have been probably better to see it with a, a full cinema. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you do what you have to. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Great film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even I, Commode enjoyed it. So, yeah. you know, hell has frozen over. I think, the, yeah, the new people were great. Uh, loved Zach. 
Um, Zach was the one that like all the all the new people like express at various points during the movie that like they're the generation that grew up on Jackass. So like, but of the lot of them, like Zach is the one that comes off as the most like I can't believe this is really happening. Like he's even got the Jackass tattoo like right in the middle of his sternum. Um, but uh, yeah, he's great. Um, Fair fucks to Rachel Wolfson for taking oh. a scorpion sting to the lips. Right. Look, all I will say is there's another thing uh, involving Rachel um, that the the mime bit. Oh Jesus! Where like I have no idea. Like hats off. And like somebody said, I think maybe in our group chat during the week is like hopefully that the point five Blu-ray DVD release has more stuff she was in because she seemed yeah. great in the bits she was in. Yeah. Um, Jasper was pretty damn good as well. Um, but of all the new people, the greatest, and you know, shout out to Poopies as well. Um, the greatest new person of all is, of course, Jasper's dad, Dark Shark. <laughs> Dark Shark was awesome. <laughs> As all I will say, Dark Shark is the man. Um, but yeah, that's that's Jackass. It was great. Um, if you were a Jackass fan growing up, like it, I'd be interested to see what the new generation of people think of it. But uh, I, I'm yeah. going to guess and as well. We didn't convince you last week from last week, Garrett, to go and see this. No, my film this weekend will be Uncharted, which I think is much lower form of entertainment. <laughs> is that out this week? I'm like this weekend that tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's stick on the firm nerd fair and move to Garrett, who's been uh, checking out John Cena's. Uh, latest, the the Peacemaker series. Yeah, so we'll stick on the topic of spin-offs from established multi-billion dollar franchises. Yes. Um, yeah, Peacemaker, it's seven episodes in now. I think the season finale is next week, so it's probably a good time to jump on if anybody hasn't watched it. Uh, I'm quite enjoying it. I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would because I have severe superhero fatigue, so I'm very, very like wary of literally anything now, and if it's not particularly interesting, I will lose interest very quickly, as, you know, tends to happen when things aren't partic- that aren't particularly interesting. But I was surprised because every time you hear like, oh, this is a TV spinoff of like a, a big franchise thing, you expect it to be like, well, it's not like the heavy hitters doing it, right? It's like some other creative force, some other directing it's, force. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, it's Joss Whedon wrote the, or directed the pilot and then said, peace out, suckers. That's that's how that usually works. Or it's like every episode of Peacemaker is uh, written by James Gunn and I think five out of the eight in the season are directed by him so it's it's very much a James Gunn property which surprised me and uh, pleasantly surprised me because it's it's very James Gunn it's about as James Gunn as it could be oh and this is this is selling me on it even more and because it's on HBO Max it doesn't really have to like ha- have standards of decency it's like more <laughs> risque edgy James Gunn as well yeah like unlike so the rock so you're, say- so you're saying they be fucking Oh, John Cena fucks in this movie. You see, (laughs) unlike The Rock, who is a sexless monster in movies, who has never had a romantic interest on screen in the history of his life, John Cena's fucking people in this movie. Or his TV show, even. (laughs) Respect. You know what? I've never really noticed that up to this point, but The Rock is actually quite sort of unromantic. Oh, have you not? Oh, yeah. It's a thing that just, like, a realisation that came across the world, like, a year ago. It's like, wait a minute. It was when Jungle Cruise came out. And it was like this. That was the first time I saw it, and people were just like, "Has anybody noticed the history of The Rock having zero chemistry with any like female co-star, even ones that in other movies he is married to or used to be married to?" Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's fairly consistent that it's just like, yeah. <laughs> but why? <laughs> I don't know, Who dude. knows? 
There's no way of knowing. I. It is odd, yeah. Like what? <laughs> I, just, I, I love that this is just coming over you now. <laughs> But I never thought of The Rock as... I guess I never even... Yeah, you never really think of The Rock as doing anything other than sort of like rampaging and smashing dudes and doing stuff. You don't really think of him as like, you know, like a lead in a romantic... I would love to see The Rock. So like, I don't know, remake When Harry Met Sally but with The Rock or something. I'm I'm, I'm wondering, is it like, did did the big realisation come on people because Jungle Cruise was just like... There was definite like uh, them trying to do one of those capers like romancing the stone almost uh you know off his character in it um and, and a few other bits like this but yeah it is just like sexless android dwayne johnson and like the rock feels like a guy who like every third of his film should be a rom-com he feels like that yeah. kind of actor so when he's yeah. not it's like what's going on here with the rock and his movie choices and his lack of sex yeah, yeah I guess because like Ryan Reynolds is has that feel right as well, similar to The Rock, where he's kind of jokey and actiony, but yeah. he he does do a lot of those romantic and, movies and as well. When he's been cast opposite like a leading woman, it's usually somebody who like has a history of having pretty great chemistry in other movies with whoever yeah. they're staring opposite. But no, not Dwayne. I guess maybe with uh, Jason Statham's sister and I thought you were going to say with Jason Statham. I was like, yes, I guess there is a tension there between them. Do you know what? That would explain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might just be that. Just might just be He's just holding himself for Deckard Shaw. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I mean aren't we, we all? all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jack is now going to go sit in sit in the dark with IMDb for the night. <laughs> just be. <laughs> It, but I gotta say, it is kind of a bit of a glass breaking moment for me. Yeah. Oh I've yeah. Never, Since then, I, I can't unsee it. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. Yeah. I guess I just guess because the Rock is the Rock, isn't he? Yeah. Like, you don't think of him as anything other than I don't. I, I find it hard to think of him as Dwayne Johnson <laughs> as, anyway. Like, just, I, I just always see Gar- the Rock. Garrett, you full on spark an existential <laughs> crisis. Here. I was about to say I have never heard somebody have to talk through an existential crisis <laughs> in real time like this. I don't. Yeah, I, <laughs> this is a reality shattering moment for Jack. I, but the thing is, you're so right as well. That's why it's difficult because it's like, you know, when someone posits a theory and you almost think like, okay, right, yeah, so I'm going to have a look at this from both sides. But like, there is really no analysis that I can do on this. This is just, this just is the way it is. You're, yeah, so I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, God damn. <laughs> so, uh, so peacemaker so, yeah, yeah john, peacemaker john is no rock like coward there's no like kissy kindy, kissy under the cover of sex here there's like yeah. full-on shots of john having sex in this movie yeah whereas like it, it's the opposite because like john cena the person is a sexist android like dwayne johnson the <laughs> character like when yeah like, yeah whereas the rock i mean he's always talking about how much pie he gets yeah and then when he has the opportunity to legitimately get pie he doesn't yeah i gotta do some math here guys i'm not sure what's going on <laughs> So anyway, yeah, John Cena be fucking. He does. Um, yeah, so the, like the, the setup of the show was a bunch of characters that were in Suicide Squad. Cena's one of them, of course, is a Peacemaker character. There's Daniel Brooks and um, who's the last one? Oh, Steve Agee is the, the, the other one. Steve Agee, yeah. Yes, who is in the uh, Suicide Squad and also a, a very, very small cameo from Waller. She's <laughs> in it via Skype. Viola Davis clearly is like, I can do a Zoom call, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> Woman is a genius. <laughs> Gets herself paid. I bet paid. she got paid too. Get yeah. paid. Didn't even leave the house like Kelsey Grammer and Money Plane. <laughs> She's just on a screen. Damn right. Hey, guys, hey guys remember Money Plane? Oh, halcyon days. What a movie. I remember you trying to convince Lee to watch Money Plane on Days of Thunder, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> that's he still my hasn't. <laughs> that's my reference point for Money Plane. I love Money Plane. <laughs> so much. Darius Grouch the Third, a.k.a. The Grumble. As, <laughs> as Zooks would say. Anyway, we, we keep derailing this segment. Eventually we'll, we'll hear whether Peacemaker's good or not. But do you know who fucks, right? <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. Okay. You know, Frasier, like, yeah. he... he so many people and yet the rock who is clearly more charismatic and probably more attractive than kelsey grammar never fucks what are we saying here what is the world doing probably more attractive than kelsey grammar like it's like it's competitive in any way yeah like if you had to you know there's some sort of equation you could work out for attractiveness i'm definitely edging the rock over grammar i mean i could be wrong so peacemaker uh- <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to plow through this because like as the layers of crisis reveal themselves Jack i mean it certainly seems be- like the rock isn't plowing anything jack-, hey. jack-, jack is going to be periodically soliloquizing about this for the night so you just go ahead oh <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, i promise i'll stop I- i'll do a forfeit if i do another one but yes, it's a very James Gunn show, sometimes to a fault. It has those like long improvised sections and, and stuff that feels like vaguely improvised, but is hev- heavily written that f- that is written to feel improvised. And it's it's a little internet pilled. It's a little like, oh, you can't use that gender word. You can't. That's a racist term. Oh, woke. Oh, uh, simp. Oh, deep state. It's like, we get it, James. You've been on Twitter in the last five years. We understand. <laughs> The James Gunn uh, recovering edge lord comes out in him. <laughs> it it is a little bit of that, and like, it's not even a case of it being done well or done badly. I just hate that stuff in all entertainment. It's like we get enough of all of that on the internet. I do not want to see it while watching a television show. But yeah, I I think it's good fun. It's light. It's fluffy. There's just enough like serious character stuff so that it doesn't feel inessential, but not so much that it feels like gritty or moody or edgy. So that they do walk that line of it being mostly just silly, dumb fun. And yeah, I have a good time. And if you felt the Guardians of the Galaxy video game didn't have enough deep cuts of music, if some people perhaps on this call had that opinion, uh, there is some extreme deep cuts uh, for for Peacemaker. Don't, like, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like the theme song of it is a song by Wigwam, which is a band no one's ever heard of because I think they're both well known for representing Norway in the 2005 Eurovision. <laughs> It's like nice. Vin Hoogan and the Hoogan notes from Father Ted. Yeah, they, so he, he's digging deep into his like Norwegian glam rock just to get theme songs for these shows. And also, if you haven't seen the theme song, it's uh, very good. The um, like the smartest bit of advertising for a TV show I've seen in a long time is just releasing that title sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it was great. And like that, that does like it captures the tone of the show as well. Like that yeah. is the show, but in like tone and musical style and and humor style. 
And actually, comparing it to the Marvel shows, I do appreciate that it, like all the Marvel shows are kind of built around like reveals or or like these big mysteries. And this show doesn't really have any of that. It's just like a nice little story about like a softly alien race invading and they have to stop them. And there's this group of misfits who don't get along. And will they get along to stop this world ending threat? There's none of like the, you know, oh, this season finale really hinges on what the reveal of this character is or these character motives are. There's none of that really, which I kind of appreciate because I think all of the Disney Plus shows have had that to an extent. Like Loki was very focused on like what's going on, what's the big mystery behind this. So was WandaVision. There was like a big bad in the shadows for Hawkeye as well. So a lot of those shows have like hovered around those mysteries. Oh, what's the big reveal? Where this doesn't. Yeah, that's cool. It seems like it'll be a nice kind of palate cleanser before we head headlong back into Marvel series before long. Mark, can you definitively answer the question this week? Do we talk about Bruno? Um, I mean, we can. I don't really want to talk too long because I didn't really like this film. Why is that yeah. the most popular song in the movie? It's it's, it's a TikTok thing, I think, because like all the 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 teenagers in work are are doing a bit where they randomly break into singing it. <sighs> Young people. Yeah. I like how out of touch I am. That even though this film's been out for a couple of months, this was the first time that I heard that song. I didn't even realise yeah. that that was a thing. So. <laughs> it's like that time that I accidentally went five months after it came out without ever hearing Uptown Funk. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. So, yeah, in Canto, uh, there's one really crucial thing that I don't like about this film. And the interesting thing about it is I really like the work of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I really, really like Hamilton. I enjoyed In the Heights. I don't think I need to hear another uh, score of his again for about 10 years because he he does really interesting things with music and like lyrical phrasing, but he is insistent on always doing that fucking thing. And it's like, so you... Even though he's doing something unique, it is the thing that he does, and he does it so fucking much. There's like, okay, that is a Lin Manuel Miranda song, and I'm kind of done with that now. And I don't think what he's doing complements this film or complement. Like, I think a lot of like the way that he composes music, it it works in like a theater setting, and I don't, I just don't think it translates over to yeah. uh, to like animated features and. I know he did work on Moana. I don't know how much he did, but you know that might as well have been a completely different composer um, because just there's no like trademark hallmarks of the sort of stuff that he does on that film. Yeah, so, I think he was like in a consultant basis on that. Like you know, Garrett, you're the the Disney expert relative to a lot of us, but I'm pretty sure it was like. Two, there's two people who had written the music for something another film that did most of the music on it and he was kind of just like there too there was some jermaine clements on that or was, did he just do one of the these things jermaine clement was a character in it yeah he yeah, was I um, think he just did the one song yeah he did uh shiny. shiny yeah which is the most jermaine clement because he does yeah. he does jermaine doing bowie in the middle yeah. of us um but yeah like and i'm not saying that hey disney songs and soundtracks need to be dumbed down to be appreciated but i just think that he's being a bit too clever, as he always is, and fair play to him because he's an, an exceptional composer, I just don't think that it warrants, the, the soundtrack warrants what he's doing. And also, I just don't think m- most of the songs are actually particularly good. They're um, not memorable if, at all. At all. They're not. They're really not. Um, I, I remember I just, like, I'd get to the end of a song and I was like, uh, all right, sure, whatever. And, you know, I don't need everything to be, like, the Frozen soundtrack. Um, but... 
But you need, like, I you need to remember a hook, you know? And I don't you think do. the film has that. No, it, it just doesn't. None of the songs have that. And the other thing as well, and I, I'd been reading some reviews and, and even just looking at, like, the Wikipedia entry, and, like, people praising that it has this kind of emotional core to it and, you know, by the end of it, you'll be, you know, you'll you'll well up a little bit. And I'm very easy to make cry, you know, like... A, a film doesn't have to do that much to get me invested in, in, you know, most Disney films, most Pixar films I've probably cried to. I felt nothing at the end of this, you know, like, it's like, okay, it's a sentient house and... <laughs> okay, it's a sentient house, what a question. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> just, okay, sure. And like, you know, I, I appreciate, I, I think that um, Stephanie Beatrice does a really good job um, as, as the, the main character. I, I think she plays that part really well. But I just, I... I didn't get any kind of like emotional connection to it by the end. And really the only thing I came away with it is that visually it is stunning, but yeah, I just, I didn't get much out of this film and and people seem to really like it. I'm going to uh, mention, I, I watched two mini series back to back over the weekend, two that I've been promising myself I was going to watch for ages. I knew I was going to love or for whatever reason for the last couple of years, I have not gotten around to it. Um, last year on the podcast, I talked about how much I dug Midnight Mass when it came out, the Mike Flanagan joint, and I had never seen his two haunting series on Netflix, uh, Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um and I watched both of them, just marathon them over, like, since our last podcast. I think I started watching it that night. So in a week, I've watched two 10-episode series. Uh, and holy shit, they were incredible. Um, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Which did you prefer? Uh, Hill House, I Ooh, think. Interesting. Because they're, um, they're separate beasts. Because Hill House yes. is, like, straight horror. And Bly Manor really isn't. Yes. Um, I... The the thing that separates them for me is I think I preferred a couple of the performances in Hill House uh, and there was like maybe a one, maybe there was one episode in Bly Manor that when the what's going on starts to reveal itself, it does it in a way that I wasn't coming along for the ride for the first part and I thought, it was going to lose me before the end of the series. Um, whereas I thought the first thing that like I, cause I knew fucking apart from Mike Flanagan being involved and a couple of the actors that I knew were in it. Um, I didn't know anything, you know, apart from you look at these and it's like, okay, I get it. Horror spooky house. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> I didn't really right know there the name. Yeah. I didn't really know the details. So the fact that first off, in spite of the name of them, they aren't actually like period pieces. Mm you know um that they kind of they're they're both contemporary like the first one is pretty much current day uh Hill House is cur- yeah it does have both series do some time hopping um and Bly Manor is like it's still contemporary it's like the 90s um but it do you know what i mean like and it, and it flits back and forth as you as you say Garrett and i love them both what I think Mike Flanagan does really well and it's true of Midnight Mass as well is one he does horror with actual characters that you care about you want to see how their stories end you get invested in certain characters um, and it's also the kind of horror that like isn't about the let's scare the shit out of them it's like let's make an interesting story and let's remember that 
horror is often best when it has something to say about other things and he definitely doesn't lose the tr- the thread in either series about how you know a lot of old-timey ghost stories are really about things like grief and loss and particularly this is hit on in the first series i feel uh which deals with you know a family who suffer a traumatic uh couple of losses throughout um and that's probably, you know, it, it, one of the reasons I like Hill House over Bly Manor is that kind of like tight knit cast of of the family. It it kind of felt more intimate to me, um, than than Bly Manor. Um, and I just love the um, oh, I have her name written down here. I think it's Kate Siegel, isn't it? Who's like the other thing Mike Flanagan is known for is that he will recast the same people in his different series. So Kate Siegel is in all three. She's in Midnight Mass. She's in she's she shows up in Bly Manor for the last bit, uh, and she's one of the main characters in Hill House as Theo. Yeah, Mike and Flanagan is one of those just, people who casts people so often regularly that on his Wikipedia page is that list of recurring collaborators of like this is the people who have been I, in this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that in the case of Kate Siegel, he ended up uh, casting her in his own marriage. <laughs> he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are married. Um, so, like, she just, she's a phenomenon. She is just brilliant uh, in it. Um, Michael Huisman, I think is how you pronounce his, his surname. Uh, Dario Naharis from Game of Thrones is, is in season one. Uh, as Stephen Carla Gugino is somebody who is recast. Uh, she shows up in in Bly Manor as kind of like the narrator. Um, she's great in 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 Hill House. Um, somebody who I thought was was great. Garrett, have you seen both of these series? Then yep. Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, mm. uh, the guy who is like the youngest son Luke in the first series, and then plays an absolute who like at least seems like on the face of it a, an absolute piece of work in season two uh in in bly manor um he's just a phenomenal actor two like such different roles as well like couldn't be further apart as characters yeah yeah i think the the scoring of the both series the oh like when, the when they play the, the the like do 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 as someone yeah. is doing the classic mike flanagan monologue and they're doing the slow zoom in it's like listen you know what you're doing and it goddamn works doesn't it but this is the thing like this is you know it, it's the like the mike flanagan trope that people i think when midnight mass came out like was kind of a thing to like you know i think lovingly sort of clown on you know there's there's some people that it doesn't work for but i think most people who are kind of going oh yeah this is the thing he does still like like it when he does it Mm. is that he kind of mike flanagan one of his things his stylistic quirks is that he likes long scenes of characters talking to one another with like nothing else like necessarily dramatic it's not like action-packed guns going off shit like that it's people having a conversation um that can sometimes in and of itself be quite horrifying can be very revealing of character and things like that and i just i i've been eating that shit up in these series um because like to me it's kind of as like oh his worst stylistic trope is that he lets actors act for a long time without smoke and mirrors oh no i was gonna say <laughs> actors must absolutely love because like at least one an episode once an episode a character will get like a five minute monologue which is like, yeah. I will tell you how I'm feeling and uh, with this elaborate backstory and these anecdotes that lets me do some goddamn acting. And I'd yeah. say actors absolutely love it. 
I'd say maybe the only one of those that I can kind of understand people going, all right, okay, we get it, is the one in Midnight Mass where, you know, the priest basically, he, he's, he's like he's sitting you, the viewer, down. He goes, I'm going to talk for about seven minutes now and explain pretty much everything that's going on. I, like, love- I still loved it, but I get that that was the most on-the-nose one of those he's ever done. After every single Mike Flanagan show, there's like the Haunting of Hill House explained. And it's like, Dude, did you not see the monologue in the finale? Yeah. You don't Just, need this article. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, like, what they, the way they balance the horror and the drama is really good in both these series. Again, the acting is spot on. I, I Very early doors, until I realized what was going on, I thought they had hired some bad child actors. Uh, in Bly Manor <laughs> but it kind of as the season deepens the reasons for them being so weird become more apparent I just thought they were shite in the first episode yeah um, yeah so I, I came round on that Um, yeah just like a couple of real powerhouse and I don't think they're kind of like I know you know Mark heard horror show and immediately tuned out and is probably like doing his taxes or something like that uh, in- <laughs> instead of talking about horror but uh, I think this is one of those like even if you're not huge into horror it's like the right amount of like it's just a really gripping character drama with horror nicely sprinkled on top uh, and as a thing that ties the whole thing together but I think most people are going to enjoy and I would Both say, especially Bly Manor, like there is some some more spooks in Hill House. There's some jump scares, whereas Bly Manor is very much just like there is a bit of a spooky atmosphere, but we're, they're actually not. And people criticize it for that. It's just it's not doing spooks. Yeah. And there's a while in both series where you start thinking to yourself, is the like, is the rub going to be that there actually isn't anything supernatural going on? Mm. Do you know what I mean? That there's supernatural stuff that happens like, oh, they flirt with the idea of maybe this is all going to be explained away or like the one person or the two people that this is happening to are crazy, you know, and it's not really happening. Um, So like that that's how they play it. Like it's not like full blown wacky uh, supernatural at any point, And I, I like that. It's about as grounded as something that inherently can't be grounded can be. Um. Yeah. Big recommend for both those series. So you're you're definitely a Bly Manor man, then, Garrett. Oh yeah, because Bly Manor is a little more schmaltzy. It's a little more heartwarming yeah. as opposed to Hill House, which I I didn't particularly like the ending of Hill House. I thought the ending was just like it it felt a little flat to me. As opposed to the ending of Bly Manor worked for me in a way that Hill House didn't really. Mm. And as it it it's a matter of degrees of spooks as well as said because a lot of people didn't like Bly Manor as much as Hill House because Bly Manor doesn't have as many spooks. And yeah. people didn't really like that, but I, I'm I'm a little like Mark. I don't like being scared. To be fair, who does like being scared? The point of being scared is to upset you. Uh, people yeah. are always like, I don't like jump scares. It's like, well, you're not really supposed to like jump scares. If you actually like jump scares, you're probably a little sadistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bit you like is like the, the bit that the brain likes is the, the come down after the jump scare into realizing you're safe. That's where the kind of like little endorphin release comes. It's not the actual being scared bit. Like you said, no one likes that. Yeah. Um, so I, I did a big like Mike Flanagan rewatch because I watched these shows and adored them. So I, I did a bunch of his movies as well, like Hush and uh, Ger- Gerald's Game and like Doctor Sleep is oh dr sleep oh i love it a sequel to the shining shouldn't be good it just shouldn't yeah. be good and it is it's really good yeah i think i went full four boys on that I, and i i went and watched it and then like the night after went and watched the director's cut that's like three hours long mm. yeah no right to be that good yeah. yeah i have a lot of time for my planning 
Let's move on to video games. Uh, Jack, you're still catching them all in Pokemon. Yeah, I haven't got too much. I think I haven't got too much really new to say, I guess, about Pokemon um, Legends of Arceus. I'm still really enjoying playing my way through the game and filling out all the Pokedex pages and, you know... um, hitting some Pokemon with some sticky globs before wedging an Ultra Ball between their eyes or something. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's a different style of, of play, but I'm still really enjoying it. I, I don't have too much in the way of new content. I Garrett, did you actually end up finishing in it? And uh, did you have any thoughts about the ending of the game or anything? Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think it's a really good game with, like, a surprisingly okay story. It's a Pokemon game. It's not a great story. But... Yeah, I I think it's a re- it's like my third favorite Pokemon game. That's probably the highest praise I can give it. I think it's my third favorite Pokemon game in a series that's twenty six years old now. It's the third best. I just want to dispute some of the slander you were saying last week about the Sinnoh Pokemon. Though. Oh, they're bad. I, uh... <laughs> are you saying that Garchomp? Are you saying that Garchomp is? Bad? No, you see, he's come prepared with Pokemon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my main <laughs> issue is that like there were a handful of, that are good, and maybe like Lucario's a top tier Pokemon. Garchomp is great. I was gonna say like Lucario was my next. Bullet yeah, but you can find a couple of good ones in every generation. Jack has spent like the week down with the boys <laughs> in the lab. <laughs> Get this. We're gonna we're gonna nail this cunt on Friday. <laughs> but, uh, my big problem is they're all at the end of the game. So you spend most of the game catching all the crappy Pokemon, and then there's a couple of good ones at the end. What, of this game? No, the just Gen 4 in general. This game has loads of good Pokemon. But the Gen 4 Pokemon are good. Some of them. On average, they're bad. I'd say on average they're good, because you only get, I think it's like additional, was it like 90-odd? And the vast majority of them I really like. Um, might just be me, though. And you know how much of a Bidoof stan I am. I'm, I'm calling a group of Pokemon that includes Bidoof bad. So, you know, this is a fuck Yeah, that's what I gotta say. Yeah, fuck Spirit. I mean, Spirit Team, whatever. But, like, so you get the evolutions of Rhyperior and Tangrowth, like, which which are both really cool. I hate all of them. Um, I hate Electivire. I hate Magmortar. I hate all of the Gen 1 evolutions. They're just, oh, no, hate them. Mamoswine is fucking awesome as well. Um, as another evolution that shows up in this, sh- and, and obviously the best legendaries. I forgot Darkrai last week, which I was furious at myself at. That's one of my favorite of the legendaries. Um, yeah, I just I was so stunned and taken aback that I was just like, Jesus! Like, I, I don't get it. You do a <laughs> These are all prep. really good Pokemon. Yeah. How far into Arceus are you, Jack? Uh, I think I'm about. So I've unlocked. Th- how many areas are there? I've unlocked three of them. There's I've five, been doing- isn't there? There's five, yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of pissing about. Um, so yeah, not. I guess probably maybe two thirds of the way through the game. So I was, go- was going to mention think- the the fourth area's ride Pokemon, which is my favorite, but I won't because you're not there yet. Oh, I kind of know what the is 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 that the um is that the climby Pokemon? Yeah, it rules. Yeah. The- the, yeah, the Weavile. Yeah, I I'd so I'd seen some stuff on um on on YouTube and just I love that you're basically reduced to a pair of, of eyes <laughs> looking like, out of the box of a basket. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it looks really really fun. Um, Basket Legion's awesome, by the way. I like its little double jump it does, and also the fact that that's like practical because a lot of ledges are higher than the jump. So I was like, oh, we got to give it a double jump. 
the double jump and then into a into a weird ear um, to just keep moving. Like you were saying last week, the fluidity of the movement when you're switching between ride Pokemon is so good. Shocking. Like, game really Freak. Again, Game Freak got this right. When so many other... Co- like, Assassin's Creed games still stink with this. It's like, they just feel slow and, and plodding and like, I'm worried about Horizon next week. Will it actually be fun to move around that world? And it's like, Game Freak got this right. Everybody should get this right. Yeah. I, I will say, like, I don't feel... The, the game properly has its hooks in me. Now, part of that is because I've only put about three or four hours in. I, I definitely will get back to it, but um, but yeah, I got distracted this week a fair bit. Mm. Shall what I, did you get distracted by? Segway him. There we go. Uh, yeah, Oli Oli World is, is scratching a particular itch of mine that is basically... It's not a 2D platformer, but if you think like a 2D platformer where you die a lot until you do the thing that you need to do, uh, it's basically that, but with skateboarding and Pendleton Ward's Adventure Time as its graphical presentation. Uh, And I didn't realize this was a thing that I needed or wanted, but now I have it, and I'm so glad it's here. I I enjoyed the original Oli Oli and Oli Oli 2. Uh, God bless that original Oli Oli on the PS Vita. I had a great time of it, but it was a frustrating game. It was a very difficult game. And Oli Oli World clearly takes that into account. And so, you know, the way it works is you have an overworld that's made up of about five or six biomes. I'm on, like, the fourth area at the moment. And you have about, I say, 15 to 20 levels within each world. And each level has... A, uh, a bunch of uh, objectives or quests. One of them is just, hey, just complete the track. Um, then there'll be the one underneath, which is complete the track without uh, bailing once. Then there's three objective side quests that very much are like the, the strawberry from Celeste, where these are optional. The, you don't have to do these, but if you're on that extra challenge, you know, it'll be like pop the five inflatable cats that are around the level. Or um, when you're going over a particular... Uh, half pipe do a particular trick that it wants you to do and they just you know add a little bit of variety and they bring you back to doing the level a couple of times to you fulfill all of that criteria and then there's like three high scores to beat and then there's the the global leaderboards as well and your friends leaderboards if you're playing and you know other people playing it as well and all of that is fun fine clean works no issues there uh that all yeah that that's all all good um the actual levels they're they're pretty pretty healthy in terms of like the way that they're they're stacked out and what it wants you to do and once you get into the point into the groove of learning all of the tricks because it doesn't just bombard you with like hey here's how you do flip tricks grabs uh grinds you know it evenly paces them out so you if you kind of start fucking around you can still do some of the stuff like it doesn't lock those techniques away like you doesn't I don't think it's even to like the second world where it introduces manuals, but I just accidentally figured out how to do manuals. So I started chaining combos together. Um just because it it makes those levels far more enjoyable. Like kind of in a way when you play Tony Hawks where you might not actively need to chain a combo together, but your muscle memory takes over and it's like if if I do a flip trick, I just want to go into a manual because that's just what i do you know like i go into a manual go into a grind i flip trick off a a, a ramp or whatever come back down manual and carry on you know that's just how i play a tony horse game and it's kind of a similar thing with this as well and it invites you to play like that because you know 
the problem with Olioli, from what I remember, is that part of the difficulty is it didn't have checkpoints, and some of the, the, the levels could get fairly lengthy. But here, most levels have, like, one or two checkpoints, so, you know... If you're struggling particularly with like the last area, um, you know, you can just repeat that over and over again because sometimes you'll have to jump off of like one rail onto another rail and the distance seems quite long and it's not so much about how you're jumping off the rail, it's actually about how, where you land on the rail to give yourself the m momentum. So, um, you know, you'll kind of recycle that bit a couple of times to learn that line to then go and attempt to do like the whole the whole track again and yeah i i think that this game just it's smooth as hell um i've posted a, a bunch of clips during the week and it's one of those games where like a tetris where you just get into like a zen like state where you forget everything else around you and you're not even thinking about what you're doing you just everything kind of makes sense and when you hit like a particular line it's it's really satisfying. I uh, I really like this game, and again, the the Adventure Time style presentation of it, uh, it's it's just a really f pleasant game to look at and play. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I played it for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Were they fifteen good minutes? It didn't really hook me, so I stopped playing it after fifteen minutes. <laughs> Aww. Uh, disregard everything Mark just said. Oh no, I'm so Absolutely sad. Trashed. Can we now refer to like uh, a quarter of an hour as exclusively as the Garrett method? <laughs> Every time I do something that takes 15 minutes. I can't um, wait till uh, Mark uses the gimmick as a troll and just starts d doing the, the, the Garrett method for like sprawling RPGs that you're not even out of the first cutscene. You're like, well, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so I play. I played 15 minutes of Final Fantasy IX. Here are my thoughts. Let me tell um, you about my experience with Metal Gear Solid Four. I mean, I'll probably do it with Earthbound when I get around to trying that out. Um, yeah. But yeah, Grapple Dog is this very like Game Boy Adventure esque looking platformer. It's a 2D platformer, pixel art style, and um, it's uh, the first published game by this publisher called Super Rare Originals. Um, so I wanted to check this out because I like the presentation of it. I love the Game Boy Advance. I love that style. I like a lot of the platformers from that generation. Um, and again, uh, for the one and only time this week on my Retro Pocket 2 Plus, I've been going back and enjoying a bunch of them. So it's been really fun to, to go back to that. But yeah, like I was super digging like the look at this. And it's kind of frustrating. It's... It's very rare that you will hear someone say, hey, this game has a grappling hook, and I don't really like this grappling hook. Doesn't really happen. Usually, grappling hooks already add a star to that game. And this game is built around this grappling hook, and I just don't like how it works. It's very... So it's it. you can only uh, aim it in like a, a directional angle, left or right, like upwards or straight. So like three angles. And... Once you're actually up, the, the kind of fluidity of how you move feels really fixed. And it the idea is that, you know, you're going to grapple to uh, a surface and then you're going to swing yourself and move over to the next platform. But there's two problems. The first of all is that, certainly in the first level that I played, a lot of the areas where you're in are very, like, um, very restrictive. So you don't actually have a lot of space to work with because you'll hit off of the wall and it will just 
ruin all of your momentum. So you're kind of shuffling to find like the right spot to hit the, the grapple hook instead of just, I want to just hit the grappling hook, be able to swing and go. You know, I don't want to be spending five minutes trying to aim in the right spot. So that's kind of frustrating and, and slows the, the flow of the game down. The other thing is that the actual, like, when you're a platforming game, the crucial thing here is that the actual, like, feel momentum of when you jump and when you land, you know, you, you feel like you have full control over that. And there's this, like, artificial weight behind the character that, like, when you move forward, it should be that if I move forward, if I let go, the character should be stopping pretty quickly, like, where it is and then just kind of drop. But when I let go of the, the, the analog stick... The character just keeps moving forward, like, for several frames, well past where I wanted to. And I only played for about 15 minutes, but I just, I couldn't get, I couldn't get the control of, like, the controls. And so, a lot of the times where you've got these platforms that are pretty small, I was always overshooting my target. Because it just, it feels incredibly unnatural compared to, like, platform games that I've played. I guess I'll probably get adjusted to it, but so far, it's not... It doesn't feel right, and um, that's kind of disappointing. Um, so yeah, I need to spend more time with it, but it's not—it's not grabbing me. It doesn't have its hooks in me, shall we say? Mm. Um, so that's that. And then the other thing, I bought Mario Kart. I, that game's still really good. Hey. You know, it's still like the best-looking game of the generation. It's bizarre. It, yeah, and I uh, haven't not played it in a while. I naturally jump straight into a 200cc game, and that is fucking unplayable it's when you so, haven't played it for you, a while. Like, you have to drift into a turn like 15 minutes before you want to turn. You are in just like perpetual fast-forward mode, and it is yeah. just not. It is not advisable if you haven't played it for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Um, so the first thing I've been playing a little bit this week, gentlemen, is a little game called Cuphead. So, yeah, like, just really, there's no, like, I, there's no great revelation about it, but what I'm enjoying this time around I don't think we can do is, any more hot takes on that, no. that game at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm going back to try and do, like, my challenge that I'm setting myself to kind of get better at the game in time for it coming out is to do um, either no hit runs or at the very least get an A or A plus on every boss, get those sweet yellow flagpoles uh, all over the map. I was actually surprised going back and looking at my list. You, know, you can hit X and look at your list. Um, but like, I'd say a good half of the bosses in the game I've got at least an A minus on. No one was more stunned than me to remember that I got uh, an A on Dr. Carl's robot. Um, which, that, is, like, that is impressive. I should say, if, if you need uh, guidance on how to get a no hit run, you should go follow my YouTube channel. Just hey, saying. here he is. Um, which i still need to finish so like, that series and then like if i'm feeling my oats maybe i'll dip a toe into the expert water um i won't be doing the new stuff on expert at all <laughs> i i did that first island on expert and yeah. it damn near killed me and yeah. you know i like maybe one day i'll attempt it but yeah. that pff, nah no i'm good thanks do you know whose takes we've not had on cuphead is garrett oh garrett, yeah do you have any cuphead takes? i played about the first world I think it's a really cool game. Wow. That, you got through the first world in 15 minutes? I know, I'm a speedrun. I'm so good at it. I was a natural. <laughs> the Garrett. It did last longer than 15 minutes, which I think is a sign that it's probably a thing I, I would like if I put the time into it. But I think yeah. when it came out on Switch, 
is when I played it for that what probably couple hours. And yeah. I was like, I don't think I have time for this right now, but I will maybe get back to it eventually. I advocate all people to play Cuphead, not not only because in uh, when I originally said this thing, it nearly knocked Mark out of his chair. I, I do believe it's one of my favorite games I've ever played in my life. That is one of the reasons I advocate. And the other is the only thing that delights me more than the satisfaction I got beating bosses is being able to follow other people's emotional roller coasters. Yes, there is that schadenfreude of when you are getting slapped around by that fucking dragon. I'm going to enjoy myself quite a lot hearing about it. But also, like, you remember even Jack, who, like, not a Cuphead guy, you know, certified Cuphead coward. Um, mm-hmm. I'm proud of that, but, by the way. But you, rem- I- you remember the camaraderie of our group chat that summer when Niner and then me were going through it. Like, we had some times bonding over that, even though you couldn't, like, you had no direct parallel for the experience. It was a support network. I yeah. was following <laughs> your progress, and I'm proud of all, all of you. Yeah. Um, I just don't need that in my life. I- I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fact that we get to all enjoy this DLC at the same time uh, this time round. The other thing I've played this week is, um, you know, as a noted high man on the predecessor, uh, I, of course, had to get Dying Light 2 when it came out. In spite How are of- your 15 minutes with this 500 hour <laughs> yeah. game? So this, this is the thing. Like, I, I think I said it on the show, but I definitely tweeted it out that, like, when you have a game and one of the things that you are promoting over the story, over the content, is like the quality of the content that you're saying is, it's going to take 500 hours to beat this fucking thing. That is usually a massive red flag to me. One, because with very rare exceptions, I don't want to spend anywhere even half of that length of time with a game. You know, there are very, very few games, uh, like, you know, obviously FIFA, you know, there's a run joke on the show that I, I do hundreds of hours of FIFA a year, but in terms of, like, substantial kind of, like, open-world games or story-based games, single-player games, things like that, I realistically have maybe spent, two like, around the 200-hour mark with a handful in my entire life. Like, I mean, cumulatively, I've probably played Doom that much, the original 93 yeah, yeah. Doom. I have played Breath of the Wild that much. I have played Witcher 3 that much. I... No, I wouldn't have played any of the Metal Gear Solid games that much. There's though. very few games I'd want to fucking play 10% of that time for. Yeah. There's very yeah. few games I want to play um, longer than 15 minutes of. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it the Garrett God, method for nothing. God, we got to make this a t-shirt. <laughs> I opened Dying Light 2. I wouldn't say, you know, because of that red flag that I just mentioned, I wouldn't say I had the highest hopes in the world. That definitely dampened my expectations a bit. But so far... I am really enjoying my time with it. Not enjoy it to 500 hours, but um, the kind of the, the, the thing that really does grab me about it is the kind of premise is um, the, the Haran virus that, that is kind of what's going on here because they're not zombies, they're infected, don't you know? Um, why do, why does everybody fir- do that, by the way? Why does, why yeah. does everybody like, oh, they're, they're walkers, they're not zombies? People, people have a real problem with, like, doing a zombie thing where they're calling them zombies. It's, it's a whole thing. You know, it's, I can't remember who it was, the first person that said that. It's like, it's so weird that, like, there are so many zombie properties and so few of them exist in a world where the concept of zombies in pop culture doesn't exist. Is it like a, um, a happy birthday song thing where secretly somebody owns the copyright of the word zombie? 
Yeah, George. It's Rob Zombie who owns zombies. <laughs> yeah, every time you have, uh, you have to pay him like two dollars every time you mention zombies. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying my time with it. I think it looks great. The the gimmick of this one, like I said, so the first game was right when, right after Zero Hour, when the like the the outbreak was kind of limited to a few cities that had been kind of walled off from the world to stop the infection spreading, um. Basically, the entire world has fallen. A couple of decades have passed since um, the the outbreak now, and the world is kind of Last of Us style, overgrown and ruinous. And the city you are led to believe that the city that this all takes place in is essentially the last human city, um, or one of very few in the entire world that hasn't been completely overrun at this stage. And what's great about it being a couple of decades later is it gives you the kind of the creative freedom to go right in the intervening couple of decades. There has been, you know, more mutations on the infected. So rather than just having to go through the exact same enemies, there's some new twists on it. It adds some different things to combat. Um, I think they've made co- uh, combat a bit more dynamic in this. There's some cool shit you can pull off. Um, there, in particular, there's better combat if you can, like, if you can get good at it. There, there's cool combat strategies and combos you can do for uh, doing crowd control. So you will often face, you will rarely face one enemy at a time. It will often be like a minimum of two to three enemies uh, at a go, whether they're human or infected. And you can do some cool shit like if you can do a perfect parry as somebody is swinging a melee weapon at you, you can stagger them and then hit two buttons together that will send you leapfrogging over that staggered person to do a an, an incredible first person shotgun drop kick on the guy standing behind them. Uh, and that, when I pull that off, never fails to look awesome. Um yeah, the, the I suppose there's like there's a lot to do in the open world, a lot of different things, the way they have the kind of the leveling system tied to these things called uh, inhibitors is interesting because you really need to go into dangerous and meaty challenges, usually so far anyway, to find those. Um, and they break that leveling up system away from the, the skill tree. So you can upgrade your combat and your parkour without necessarily leveling up yourself which i think is interesting and kind of speaks to the the depth of of content and activity you can do in this it is still a heart racing experience to go outside at all in the night um during this game because the whole gimmick uh, of dying light is that at night time the really fucking hard as nails infected that uh some types you literally will not be able to stand and fight uh, you have to run. Um, they only come out at night. Uh, you can still get absolutely fucked up during the day by the zombies that are there uh, and by the humans, but at night is real. Like you are sprinting and parkouring as fast as you can in between different UV light zones because the UV light burns them. Um, so it's really like nighttime. <laughs> like even you get it like a, in your throat. Like when you see it, it's like this mission needs to be done at nighttime. It's like I'm coming back to that later. Uh, <laughs> I am not. I am not feeling confident right now to do that. So it's pretty cool. Um, get yeah, game looks great. Uh, it has still has that good feel to the parkour. It's pretty intuitive. Um, 
it's I think maybe it's got a smaller margin for error if you kind of like fall short or uh, aren't aiming right for the next ledge or or what have you um I feel like compared to the first one um finally I guess the oh, the the main problem I have with it and it's something that apparently is being fixed in a patch today is that periodically even when you have it on performance mode as opposed to fidelity mode there are occasional like for maybe a quarter second or less a flicker of black and I thought at first it was like are they trying to get so immersive with the first person thing that they're literally showing me blink um but no it's it's it like happens even when the game is paused and it just happens intermittently and I can't figure out there's no thing in particular that's prompting it but it's something that just from searching Twitter is something that uh, users have noticed and it is one of the things that's getting patched by the end of this week according to Techland. You would wonder how um, that's a thing that made it in in the first place. It's like surely somebody noticed yeah. that. I thought it was one of those things like I, when I started noticing it then there was that thing where you go in you, you know the way when the the PlayStation is supposed to and your TV you know should in theory detect the resolution automatically but sometimes when it flickers between the two um, yeah. I thought that's what was happening. Uh, but no, it's not. Um, there was a thing other people are reporting that if you get all the way to the end of the game, and I don't know how people are reporting so early that this happens at the end of the game. Sometimes there's a bit where it goes black and you're supposed to like wait because it's, you know, there's like a, I don't know if it's a post-credits thing or a post-ending thing, whatever. But we were saying that like the game was getting stuck on that black screen and they'd have to reload at the part before the final encounter, whatever the hell that is. Didn't want to read too much into it. Spoilers. Um, but yeah, I don't know necessarily. Like, and it's not, bad and it doesn't happen all the time and it never happens for long but yeah it feels like one of those things that it should have been really obvious at the start but i don't know and i don't even know if it's on all platforms or anything like that but uh once that is out of the way i'm gonna be really fucking enjoying this game um it's 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 really fun really good so far it's given me what i want um i just hope that you know the deeper i get into it it doesn't become obvious how much they're padding out this 500 hours. Even yeah, one, one of the things I'd, I'd read about or heard about from the, the brief bits I'd seen is that, like, there's a lot of stuff that you don't get till later on in the game and, like, that makes the game a lot more fun. It's like, why yeah. the fuck did you not give me that earlier on? That's that's yeah. a kind of common criticism and, I've seen and, so far. And the thing that's cool about the city and this being more kind of decrepit and shit like that um, and things being further along since the collapse of society is that you get buildings that are in, like, such disrepair that there are little corners and little holes and little ways to navigate buildings and little hidden rooms or basements and shit like that that you might miss the first couple of times you're going through a building. There's so much to fucking explore. Like the game basically tells you in the, in, within the first couple of missions is like, you know, in not in so many words, it's like chill out with the fucking critical path stuff, mate. You won't believe the shit that's out there. Just go for a wander, you know? Uh, and the game is pretty good at when you, you can come across random encounters. Like there could be, you know, a, a, a bolter, uh, infected that you might have to go chase down or you know somebody from a different faction there's an opportunity to uh, have an encounter or 
um something that's cooler there every so often there are these rooftop gardens in the city that have um components in them like some of them are metal scrap and things like that but they usually have like honey and chamomile which are the two ingredients for casting or for crafting uh med kits so like you're encouraged to hop along the rooftops um much like the first one the worst thing you can do in a dying light game is walk along ground level at all ever uh, because zombies kind of just hoard around the ground level um, and it will be a bad time for you very quickly no matter how good you are at swinging lead pipes into skulls um, but then of course you know it will make you for different things like I, I came across as I was you know running across rooftops I came across a military convoy down on ground level so the idea is to try and either kill or distract the infected away from these uh, this military convoy and then you have to go down to the military convoy and individually lockpick each vehicle to try and get the rare shit out of them so it's like a real kind of because it's first person you can't see around you until the fuckers are on top of you um, it's real like oh fuck have I distracted them long enough do they know I'm here get the fucking the stress of the lockpick and it, it's good shit uh, yeah I'm a fan I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far don't think it'll win you over if you weren't into the original though um now, with mine out of the way, strap the fuck in for a trip back to 2004 with our friend, the 15 Minutes of Fame man, Garrett Kitney. You might think the 15 Minutes thing is a bit, but welcome to Garrett's 15 Minute Corner of Video Games with, with this week. Because <laughs> I finished Nobody Saves the World, had a very good time with. I finished Pokemon Legends like, Arceus. Had a... can, I, can, I, can I just stop you there for a second, Garrett? Uh, Jack, haven't done this to you in a while, but uh, a Garrett 15 Minutes of Fame jingle in the edit, please. <laughs> Oh, come on now. I've had a really tough week at work. Oh, I just wanted to kick back and enjoy some podcasting. Why would you do that? Fine. 15 minutes is all Garrett needs. Bust enough, play some games, dominated to a fate. KID, any light is the motherfucking name. Hope you've got a good start to your motherfucking game. Give me a cool mechanic and some characters for hours. Would you get to be done within a quarter hour? Peace out, bitches. My apologies, Garrett. Continue. <laughs> Uh, I finished Pokemon Legends Arceus, had a very good time with it. And then there's the classic problem, well, what's next? There is nothing really new out other than Ollie Ollie World, which is already established, played 15 minutes of it, didn't really hook me, moved on from. So I was like, alright, let's start with Castlevania, because the, last year the Castlevania Advanced Collection came out. I played Circle of the Moon and finished it, had a very good time with. I played Harmony of Dissonance, got like halfway through it and then fell off of it. So I was like, do I go back to Harmony, Harmony of Dissonance? Uh, you can't really go back to halfway through a Metroidvania, can you? Then you're like, no, you can't. where on earth am I supposed to be going? What the hell is all the systems of this game? So it's like, it's probably easier if I just jump straight into Aria of Sorrow. But then I was like, oh, now I kind of remember why I fell off Harmony of Dissonance because like, I liked Circle of the Moon, then went to Harmony of Dissonance. It's like, oh, it's just more. It's like, all right. And then I got bored halfway through and then go to Aria of Sorrow. I was like, Oh, it's just more. It's like, okay, okay. So I bounced off that again. So I, I can't remember. What was the timeline? Was it Aria of Sorrow first? Uh, or? No, I think it was in that order. I think it was Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Distance, Aria of Sorrow, in like 01, uh, okay. 02, 03. Right, right. Because I, um, I actually like played and completed Aria of Sorrow over the last couple of weeks. And um, I, I very much enjoyed it. And I was thinking about whether I would jump into one of the other ones but if they a came before and b they're more of the same it's like i probably don't need to burn myself out on on castlevania games just yeah, yet. yeah i think it's a good game but like i think it is the problem of like these three games are very similar 
So playing them back to back to back, you're like, all right, I get it. Whereas if you if you yeah, lose some time, I think you'll be like, oh, you know, this is fresh and new again because they're all good games because they're all basically the same game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I enjoyed my time with it, but I also found that um, like the the combat is just a bit redundant. Like it's it almost in some way it's a game like it's like a like fucking playing top trumps where it's just like look my stats are higher than yours so i'm going to beat you this time you know like you just get the stronger weapons and you'll be fine but there, there's not really that much in the way of um like skill involved in terms of the combat with the enemies like it's all just like hey they're either bullet sponge the sword sponges i guess or not um and like, but I, I think that Aria Sorry, just in terms of his presentation, like I think it's got a really good soundtrack for the Game Boy Advance. I think it's a great soundtrack, actually. All three of them. Uh, and the, some the of the music bo- in all three of these games are just tremendous. And some of the boss designs are fucking awesome uh, with what they do with it. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like the palate cleanser for like one of the kind of post Symphony of the Night Castlevania games is just to go and do a like pre Castlevania Symphony of the Night kind of game. You know, you just go back and forth. Just go back and forth, yeah. Or play N sixty N sixty four one, which I've never actually done, and it's on my list to do. Uh, now I have options to play it with a certain device that I won't plug again. It's actually funny if you read the coverage of the N sixty four one versus Symphony of the Night. People are like, "Oh, Symphony of the Night's not three D. It's it's really it feels dated and behind the times." It's like, "Oh, if only you people knew." Yeah, I mean, like I've looked at footage of that N sixty four game and it looks like fucking trash now. Because there was that period of like the transition to the the, the PS one and the N sixty four, where it's like, "Well, three D is the new thing. Two D games are dead and gone and never coming back." And then anybody releasing yeah. a two D game was like people who released a three DS game after the Switch came out. It's just like, even if this is good, we don't want it anymore. Uh, and the, the thing is as well is like you go back and you look at like all of the 2d games on the playstation one are fucking gorgeous yeah. because it's just you know like because 2d games at the time looked really good but now we have this much pro much more processing power to do this kind of thing and they all look fucking amazing and two and have stood the test of time 2d games went nowhere Touché. on the topic of bad 3D games on the N64. <laughs> Banjo Kazooie! Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't have wow. popcorn. Oh, my Shots God. Shots fired. Listen. It did. How much can I kick Garrett's ass in 15 minutes? Is there? It, it did get the 15-minute try. I got past the tutorial early into the first actual level. And I'm just like, I, I just don't want to deal with this camera. I just don't. I just don't want to do it. I'm sorry, N64 games. I'm sure you were very good at the time. But without the nostalgia of playing these games at the time, and I like, I feel the same about Mario 64. This isn't just a Banjo-Kazooie thing. But without... Oh, you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> without the like nostalgia for these or the time and place of them i just can't subject myself to them i'm sorry dave where were you the week garrett turned heel on the podcast (laughs) good lord somewhere sean mcgee is really satisfied with life right now yeah oh the pants are off i i right now i had a similar thing um i picked up that shadow man um remastered whatever kind of version you want to call it on the switch and i never played the original and i had the same thing where i was like i would really like to play this game enjoy this port enjoy this you know experience that i never had when i was younger but i just i found the thing on just not it's just not playable like just the camera is just fucking a nightmare to work with and it's it is one of those things with those early 3d uh like adventure over the shoulder platform type games is 
Yeah, I, and you know what? I imagine if I went back and played Banj- Banjo-Kazooie, I'd probably have similar issues with the, the camera, but I enjoyed the game when I was a child, so I probably won't have the same reservations that you have at this point, or grievances, yeah. should yeah. I say. Garrett is wrong. He is the problem. Moving on to the next one. Yes, GTA Vice City. <laughs> Speaking of games that had bad remasters, uh, I finished GTA 3. These are the, the remastered versions or whatever they called them last year. You're still fucking playing them. Are you insane? I thought, like, GTA 3 is actually fine. Like, as a remaster, I actually think it might be slightly better than the original. I, <laughs> because it was the worst looking of the three. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they did the least to the character models that make them look just horrific. Whereas you get to Vice City and like the bloom effects in this game just hurt my eyes. Like if you get on at nighttime on a street with too many with too many cars, like the lights are so bright. I'm just like, it's literally unpleasant to look at this game. And like the water reflections look weird and the water textures look weird and the faces just look hideous. But... I never thought I'd say I prefer GTA 3 in general. Like, it's just in general as a game. And I think I do. Oh, no. 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 Just no. Boy, you're really getting scorched earth this yeah, week, aren't I'm you, like, Garrett? just GTA Vice City game. It's overrated. Give me my GTA 3. Banjo-Kazooie, it's bad. More like bad Joe-Kazooie. <laughs> well done. What, what does... Wait, I want to ask. What has more bloom? The Vice City HD remake or the Wind Waker HD remake? But the Wind Waker one looks good, though. It does, but it does still has too much blue. I really like the way the Vice City remake looked. Uh, what are you playing yeah, series on, Series Right. Okay. So I'm like playing it on PS5. I actually, I think it just looked brighter and it popped out more, and it just generally looked much more vibrant than the original version I remember playing, and I I quite enjoyed that. Um, obviously, it's gone too far in that direction for you. It makes clearly. my eyes go evil. But, but that is that is to one side. What what would you say that makes Grand Theft Auto Three a better game than Grand Theft Auto? Vice I think City? the missions are more fun in Vice are in Three because Three is actually surprised like like Three is a driving game more than it's a shooting game. Or whereas Four yeah. or Vice City they lean a lot more into like there's a lot more shooting missions, and like there's not bad. I'm not like GTA Vice City is a bad game. I'm like it's a good game. So is Three. I just think like Three just felt better to me, and I did not expect because in my head I ranked them in order. Like based on nostalgia, I am like Three Vice City San Andreas. Like from from worst to best, not worst. Worst is the wrong word. From least great to most great, uh, in the order they came out. Whereas now revisiting them because I do plan to play all three, which is the reason I'm like listen if I'm not gonna play anything new, well, I say I'm not gonna play anything new like I was playing Aria Sorrow and freaking Banjo Kazooie. But if I'm not gonna play anything <laughs> I haven't played before, I will uh, at least go back to something I plan to go to, through. And but yeah, like it's a lot shorter and like more brisk than I thought it was. Like you mm. you get to kill in Diaz in like three or four hours, and like. In my child brain, that was like four months worth of content, and it's actually like four hours. But I, yeah, I think that's the case as a child in general. I thought similar, but then once you do kill Diaz, um, you unlock the ability to buy all of the, the assets and stuff and do all of the asset missions, and that actually takes up quite a lot of time. When I when I replayed it a few months ago, I was like, I felt like, am I only like a few missions away from the end of this game? And it turned out there was like way more content that opens up when you start trying to run shit in Vice City, basically. See, Jack, it's not nice when Garrett knocks one of your faves in the dirt, is it? <laughs> oh, no. But then I disagree with him on Banjo-Kazooie as well. Yeah. I, I really like Banjo-Kazooie, but I guess I haven't played it for a long time. So yeah. 
I don't know if the camera would annoy me. Um, um, so, yeah. At least yeah. he he has other things that we've not played. So there's a, you know. there's absolutely no chance of me uh, playing that Vice City remaster anyway because that's the one of the three that you can't get without paying for. Uh, so, <laughs> wah, wah. can you shit on something Mark loves now? He did. He said he didn't like Ollie Ollie World. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god, Garrett. I'm burning like, every bridge here. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. that's we we look. We embrace the spice uh, on this. God, imagine how Game of the Year is going to be. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have had Barry uh, Metroid Dread as a war crime Murphy on Game of the Year this year. I hope Barry plays the yeah. one-hit KO mode they're releasing. I think Barry would have a very good time oh, with that. My God. Nah, yeah. he needs rookie mode. Uh, so, what, what? Oh, like, with the other things you got here, what the fuck is Get to Fumiden Undying Moon? Well, that was on the Nintendo Direct stream, I think. Yeah, it was it? in the sizzle or... reel in the Nintendo Direct. It was the game released by Konami. I think all of you. It was ah, the one yes. that actually lo- lo- like looked pretty Yeah, it cool. had, like, I had the exact same reaction I think all of you had on the thing. It's like, oh, look at that. That's a nice looking game. And I was like, oh, Konami. Maybe that's that's actually, all our well, my my thing I was like is like wait fuck me Konami are actually releasing something and like I think they made it I think it's a Konami developed game there's no other developers on the what? startup screen this is like this is a Konami game what? did they forget mental. to fire some people who made this game by accident or something <laughs> just somebody like cracking open a boardroom door who let a game get out <laughs> <laughs> wait didn't we fire the the the, the left wing development ah <laughs> uh, yeah maybe I don't know. Let's just release this. Like HR and, and Konami decided to make a game. It's like, listen, if no one else is going to do it. Yeah. So what is what is this thing? It's then? Dead Cells. Oh, oh. You shouldn't get that excited. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am. L- All right then. I will temper my expectations. I am legitimately stunned. Can we go with a more um, like? Can we get a, another Mark take noise here? <laughs> Um, of him being less excited but still remotely intrigued. Right, about, uh, Mark, your noise. Huh. Uh, that Is that right, Garrett? Right. That's, a, that's about I'd the right level. Like, that's the right pitch. I was yeah? going to say okay. it. Uh, out like uh, Garrett is fucking killing it in this segment. <laughs> this is fucking gripping shit. I don't know what's gonna happen next. But like, it is literally dead cells. They just they stole dead cells. It's it's insane how much this game is just dead cells. That's the Konami I know. Like, every single bit of it. The button layouts, the, like, mechanics, the systems, everything. It's Dead Cells. It's reskinned Dead Cells. It's so strange. Like, I was like, oh, this is like Dead Cells. Oh, this is a lot like Dead Cells. Oh, this is, this is just Dead Cells. It's slower. It's clunkier. It's not as good. But it's, they literally just took Dead Cells and decided to reskin. Because, like, Getsu Fumadin is apparently a, a, a Super Fam- or a Famicom game that that was never released in the West. So they're just like, let's take this very... I mean, that's that's all the rage at the moment, apparently. So, so they're like, let's take this unknown property and turn it into Dead Cells. It's, it's, it's like, it's not terrible. It's, like, pretty functional. If I had, like... If I didn't play Dead Cells and I played this first, I'd probably think it was pretty cool. But, like, playing the better, faster, smoother, more polished version of this game and then going to this, you're like, oh, well, you know, I can't do that. It seems really weird to do that as well, because it's not like there's a gap in the market, because there is still Dead Cells content, yeah. like, being released. So, I, yeah, it seems like a weird flex to go in this direction, but... uh yeah, doesn't sound like it's it's worth picking up. It would though. like if I went all the way through, it would probably like 
be a real solid ham sandwich candidate. It's it's like that kind of tier. It's it's actually not bad, but if you play Dead Cells, you will be like, oh, this is Dead Cells, but worse. Why would I? Why I can just play Dead Cells? It's right there. I just play Dead Cells. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you are one of two people I know that's played the Triangle Strategy demo. Uh, so friend of the show, Niner, has finished the entire thing, and he said there wasn't actually that much in terms of actual gameplay. And that was enough to make me go, ah, you know, I might skip this. Yeah, this game is shockingly talky. Like, stunningly talky. Whereas, like, there's three chapters, I've only played through two of them at the moment, where it's like, there's a bunch of talking, and then you play an actual tactical battle, which is, you know, the video game. And then there's like a good 40 minutes to an hour before you get to the second actual, like, tactical battle. I I, I feel like Octopath had that going as well. Like, I enjoyed Octopath the time I spent with it, but I felt like that was a real, like, you just sit back, it's gonna be a while before you get into it guys yeah and i think this is worse like i i, I have a lot of time for octopath and this is the, like as i said it was like 40 minutes to an hour between actual like like you know fights and i'm like th- that's yeah. that's what this game is why are you making me wait so long and like some of that is optional there's a bunch of like optional like cutscenes you can watch and i suppose you can zoom through them quicker and the actual tactical stuff that's there in the demo is actually it's fun it's, it's a tactical rpg you can't go wrong really uh, but I was I was stunned at just how slow it was. How like it just wants to introduce all of these characters and introduce all of this world and introduce all of these conflicts. I will say a very nice touch when any character is talking, you can just press X and it'll show you a little profile of who they are. So it's like you missed who they are. It's like oh, I can just press a button and it says this is this who this person is and they're the the the, the lord of this house and this is their allegiance and this is your relationship with them. That's cool, but it makes me concerned that there's like a thousand fucking characters yeah. and that was a necessity. It, 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 like it is, it's <laughs> utterly needed. There are so many characters introduced in these two chapters that I'm just like I am. I'm not going to even remotely learn who all of these people are. Some of them are in my party and I'm still like, which one are you again? Fuck, you know. <laughs> I always forget Amazon Prime has that. You can like watch Amazon Prime as if it's like, you know, a really old school reference here, but VH1 like pop-up video where you just have loads of facts about the people that are on screen and who they are and shit while while stuff is playing. Has anyone ever like delved into that before? No, I didn't know that was Remember the, the original yeah. Wii U trailers had that where it's like it was the TV thing where it would show you the who was in the, the TV show on the gamepad while you use the gamepad no, as your no. remote? No. Ah. I did not know that. I don't think anybody used it. Yeah, that that, that also could be it. Do you know what I really wish we had? Like, like games have done such a good job now um, about having, like, more accessibility features with games. Um, I really feel like when you have a story-heavy game like this, they really need to have, like, a TLDR sort of mode where it just... (laughs) Give me the condensed version of this fucking story so I can just get on with it. I'm bored, lads. I think specifically you (laughs) want that, Mark. I do. I do very much, yes. Triangle Strategy does have that. There's, like, a little story so far screen, so you can just be like, boom, 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 boom. So, really, it might be better off if you just skip all of the dialogue and read that. Okay, all right. I'll just read. I'll just read Kojima game. I'll just read the Wikipedia plot and be done with it. But yeah, I was I was super high on Triangle Strategy. I was like, I am looking forward to this. And this demo has tempered some of those expectations. Maybe it'll be a little faster paced in the back end when maybe they front load the exposition, which I'd be fine with if that's the case. And maybe it's a little quicker getting from like battle to battle. But it's like it's a tactical RPG. I just want to do fights. It's also not the best way to present your demo, surely, if you're trying to get people hooked if, in. Hey, is this what you think this game is? It's not. <laughs> Which I guess is the opposite mm. of misleading. So you know what? I admire their honesty. 
<laughs> they are very upfront. But yes, that's Garrett's random right. tour through games he gave somewhat of a chance to in the last seven days. <laughs> I see. Um, so I guess like you've even pissed off somebody that's a friend of the show because Nina might hear that and be furious as well. Livid. So yeah, yeah, just scorching the earth. That's all I love to hear. Um, before we get it into the news, which is kind of like there's only two news stories, but one of them is pretty big. Uh, we've got a listener question in here from uh, a friend of the show at this stage, I think, and uh, linked to the cast official New Zealand correspondent Nathan at Punk for Life on Twitter. Um, he said, uh, "This is the this is something that God, I wish this was a week where we had Barry on." Um, but are you tempted by WWE 2K22? We all know 2K20 was an abomination, but this looks better, and it feels like an age since we have a good wrestling game. Or will you wait to see what happens? Um, I'm gonna lead off on this one. I will not be giving 2K22 a chance. You know, once bitten, twice shy, a bunch of times bitten. Uh, in the case of the 2K's uh wrestling games, I do. I don't know about you guys. Like, I do get the gras sometimes for god i wish there was a good contemporary wrestling game um i don't know what i'd like it to be necessarily like i I don't know if i want it more sim or uh arcadey style do i want kind of like you know the AEW game that is in some stage of development seems to be going more down the kind of no mercy route I had liked some of the things the WWE games tried to do, even though, like, moment to moment, trying to play them is garbage. Like, I appreciated the the idea of, like, the universe mode um, as a kind of, like, um, weird kind of uh, almost procedurally generated uh, mode in that. Um, but I just, like, those games have been too fucked for too long, and... Some of the images I saw, whereas they don't look like I genuinely with that that two K twenty, there was a lot of them where I wouldn't be able to pick what wrestler they were supposed to be out of a fucking lineup. Um, they look some of the images I've seen, the wrestlers look more recognizable, but that is not to say that they look anything like what we have come to expect from the PS five Xbox Series X generation of consoles. I think they still look like you know last generation. Uh. And the thing, I don't know if you guys saw this, the trailer they released on YouTube today that had a bug in it. Oh, yeah, the language thing. It's like the media not found yeah. screen. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Do you think, though, like your general just disinterest in the products to this point like plays a part as well in not being as interested? I mean, yeah, a little bit. Um, the same, like, like these games fair enough less now because they released like 7 million wrestlers but like the W2K20 had every wrestler in the history of wrestling in it so it's not even like a yeah. I don't like the current wrestlers because it still has like Goldberg in yeah. it yeah not only that but like one of the things those games have mostly had is a pretty pretty good creation suite and the online like the advent of being able to download somebody else's meticulously designed wrestler kind of like you can pretty much put anybody in that game you want, and it's even less a problem than it used to be because, like, back in the day, if you want the authenticity, it's like, well, you can't, like, put in their music and their video anymore, but now it's like, like, what are wrestler entrance videos now? Yeah. Like, there, and what are, what like, since CFOs yeah. left, like, yeah. all the teams sound like shit as well. So, like, I guess it's 
virtually indistinguishable <laughs> do, you, do you remember like when you would play some of those early games and everyone not only had their own distinct uh entrance music and video but a, mo- a lot of them had like a distinct like walk to the ring as well yeah. you know yeah someone needs to bring back delo's little fucking nod you know oh yeah yeah the bop but uh like i i don't know where where are you guys at like what have you have you seen much from this i i gotta love like as much as i said some of the character models have improved uh sad prune Shawn Michaels uh, did tickle me something fierce when I saw the screenshots of whatever the GM or career mode shit is in it why is he a sad prune have you not seen it I have not it's just like this wilted head with like a crummy no mercy era JPEG uh, like misshapen JPEG of Shawn's face on it like it's real bad it's real bad Oh no! For me, like, I I think just in general, I'm not too fussed about wrestling games at the moment. You know, because like I I had Fire Pro Wrestling World, and yeah. I played it for a little bit, but even that, I just I kind of bounced off after a while. And I think like those types of games, like fighting games, because there isn't really a, a like an objective in terms of i mean yeah sure there's like an arcade mode usually and you know i played like a bunch of tekken 2 and tekken 5 when i was a kid and i loved completing each character's story mode or arcade mode but past that there isn't really much of those games other than just to get better at these games but i'm not you know i'm not going to get into the competitive fighting scene and sure with the wrestling games they would have like their story modes and, and whatever but to this point i just I don't really feel like I'm going to sit down and, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, spend a couple of hours playing a wrestling game. I just, I think I'm, I'm out of that loop. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe us being out of it would have been a, been a slower process if these games like remained in any way good. There but is that as well. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I do agree that like I'm starting to come to the realization. Like I said, I don't know what I would want from a good one of these. So yeah. maybe they just aren't my thing anymore and yeah, that's cause fine because i'm not even that fussed about the aew game and like even if yeah. it uses because no mercy is my favorite like wrestling game but even if it is a, a kind of one-to-one replication of that i don't know i still don't know if i'm that fussed to actually sit down and play the fucking thing mm. yeah uh, like I, I i want it to be good but i don't yeah yeah i i don't know i, don't <laughs> I know. want it to be good for other people you know yeah. so they can enjoy it yeah but to be fair it's much more i don't know what the, hideous, though well, yeah. that goes without saying. Um, Are we kind of at a point now, though, where they're kind of in that same sort of downward spiral as all of the EA games, where they're just forced to churn out a game every oh, year? Oh, they've been but, in that cycle for like but, the last seven or years. Thing about the, the thing about the EA games, though, EA games are playable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, WWE games consistently have been doing it. Let's not fix the things everyone hates, and let's just add new things people hate. Um, or periodically just strip a bunch. Like, do you remember when they made the transition between, uh, like, the PS3 generation, the PS4 generation? They basically said, look, we're not fucked on this turnaround time trying to put all the modes back into it. So, like, in whatever the first one on PS4 was, it was a fucking wasteland. Like, there was fuck all in that game. Yeah. Um, like, because at least with, like, you know, FIFA and whatnot, sure, they're working on the same engine, but at least it's an engine that isn't completely fucked. And for the most part, people still like it. 
You know what I mean? Like, and sells yeah. like gangbusters. Like but these games, these WWE games have been declining in sales. They've been getting clowned on constantly, getting you know worse what? and worse view scores. But I think a lot of it comes down to what you were saying there. It's like, again, about what do you actually want a yeah. wrestling game to be? Do you want it yeah. to be uh, like a, an arcade fighting game? Do you want it yeah. to be more like, hey, I'm treating this as like... Yeah. An, a simulated sport, so I'm trying and, to get the yeah, theater to it. And you know? how inside do you want it to be? You know what I mean? Like it's it's a tough. I will I will concede that, but that is a tough line to walk. Like as to you know what you want that kind of game to be, Jack. I, well, I, like halfway through yeah. the game, John Laurinaitis walks up to you yeah. and says, "You've been released <laughs> yeah, into budget yeah. cuts," and then it just deletes itself off your hard yeah. drive, and you can never play That'd be again. Great. That'd be great. Yep. To be fair, I'm fair with Garrett's 15 minutes gimmick. Uh, Jack, uh, I want your live reaction. I've just sent you the photo of Shawn Michaels into our, our host chat there, if you wouldn't mind having a look at how he looks okay, in this right. game that's releasing in the year of our Lord tw- 2022. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> he does <laughs> look so such a sad. sad face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it kind of looks like the pose he's doing, he should be celebratory, but... I don't know. It's kind of like Vince has, 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 has got something on him and he's making him do it. Yeah. He's making him be Shawn Michaels even though he doesn't want to be Shawn Michaels anymore. I'm convinced anymore. that was an NPC in Max Payne 3. Yeah. yeah. God, it's terrible. Um, it doesn't even look like it. Yeah. Um, the what? other question was... was uh, Sorry. You I was going to say, like, Garrett, we haven't heard from you I'm, yet. I'm oh, tempted as a harsh word. I'm not going to buy it at launch. Um, I, I have looked at, like, the gameplay trailers, and it does... It looks better in terms of how it plays. Like, they've gotten rid of the, the counter system, which I hated, where it's like the, you have a oh, limited yeah. number of counters and then you just can't counter anymore. That stinks. They've gotten rid of it. So now they have, like, a stagger meter where if you stagger somebody, then you can hit your finish without fear of being countered. But otherwise, you can just spam counter all you want, and I think that's more fun. So, like, there, there is some things in the game that feel like they're like, all right, these games aren't fun anymore. Let's try and make steps to make them actually enjoyable to play. But, like, I'm I'm never going to buy it the day it comes out and what is it, whenever it is, March. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to yeah. be good. I, I, I am just... It has happened one too many times now for me to be like, yeah, I'm in any way jazzed about it. Like the game will be 25 bucks by June, which if 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 it's well reviewed and people are still having like fun with it by then, I might be like, you know what? You know, I haven't played one of these in, I don't know, probably like the best part of a decade since I've really gotten into one. Because there's a few I bought and like I've instantly regretted it. Like immediately, I'm like, oh yeah. no, what have I done? <laughs> like not even the 15 minutes, I'll move on. It's like I very rarely feel like my money is wasted from games. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll come back to it. That's like, no, why did I do it? Why did I give them money? Why have I enabled this behavior? They've duped you. Yeah, I was still buying most of them up until that. I never got the last one or two, but I was doing the, like you said there, Gar, I was waiting till the price completely bottomed out on them. I don't think I've been a day one guy since the one with Punk on the cover, which was 2013, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Disappointingly, there isn't a Switch version. Cause, did you play uh, the Switch version of know. 2K18? It's I did not, not good. <laughs> That's why I wish there was a Switch version of this, because that would at least, you know... Even if, okay. even if the the uh the the other versions were kind of you know cleaned up and lesser yeah. when it comes to bugs and whatnot, you can always count on the Switch version to be a bit of a mess. Game Pass would change things, though, right? Well, yes. If the game was free, I would I would much more approve of it. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. I but that's, that's what I mean. Pass. That's what it would take for me to be 
on board i think from day one would be game pass yeah i i strongly doubt it'd be on game pass <laughs> what it would take for me is to be given the game for free <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's fair that's kind of that's where i am right now um uh, with with with, uh, with WWE, we have um, another question as well. Was this from Nathan too? Yeah, uh, from Mark? Nathan. Yeah, so uh, he asked thoughts on. Oh, I thought you meant like Nathan too, like yeah. Jack too from Tekken. Yeah. Like there was another <laughs> version of Nathan who was a robot. Yeah. Um, he asked thoughts on Wolf Among Us two. I've only seen some screenshots myself, and I was a big Wolf Among Us season one um, guy. Uh, really liked it. It was back before Telltale utterly shit the bed and ended up not being a this thing is anymore. This is fake Telltale now, isn't um, it? Yeah, this is like a bunch of the people that were there. But it's like a, they're now a company else. came across the dead corpse of Telltale, like stole its clothes and yep. it's like, hello friends, I am Telltale now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically took on like all the, well, I say all the, the very few properties they had that weren't uh, some other license. Um, yeah, because like who acquired the rights of uh, of basically anything that Telltale has. Well, you see, that's the thing. Almost everything they were doing by the end was a licensed property, so it's the really early stuff that wasn't. And even this is based on um, the Fable comic books. So, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't an original concept either. Um, so the thing about this was, this was the one that was already in some stage of active development when the company imploded. Um, it was this and Garrett, do you remember what was the game that was like half out and finished when the company collapsed and they were like, we'll play, was it the last season of Walking Dead where they're like, okay, before we fire absolutely everyone, we'll pledge to finish it. And then that's yeah, your the last. One people actually still liked, we'll get out and over the line and everything else, because there was like a half of these were still left like hanging, weren't they? Like they didn't finish the Batman series. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I know it, it, it like was absolute mm. dog shit like performance wise because I remember watching Barry try to play it um, yeah, it's saying it's released by it's been developed by Telltale Studios uh, Telltale Games and a studio called Ad Hoc Studios which I feel is a very apropos name for doesn't inspire confidence does it so I'd say I yeah, I, yeah. and I, I'd say like it's a thing where Telltale had started the work on it which is why Telltale is still there on the on the the, the banner um but yeah, I like I look. I I loved Wolf Among Us. I wanted to be good. Um, if they if one of the things they brought over was uh the Telltale engine, then it would be bad. Uh, because that's the thing is they never fixed that fucking thing. Do you know, and I, as they tried to make more and more ambitious games, it broke more and more. I I've never actually looked into that engine to see exactly how it works, but I'm just looking at it now, and it's, it's just like, full of fucking spiders and nightmares. Until 2016, Telltale Tool, the engine, did not have a physics engine, meaning that if a scene required an object to fall, this had to be animated by hand, taking time from <laughs> other more productive activities. I'll say. <laughs> That is wild. I never knew Telltale made um, most of the CSI games. That changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, that was like their license thing before them doing license thing was a big thing. It was like that Jurassic Park and Back to the Future, weren't they? The pre-Walking Dead licensed yeah. ones they did. Yeah. Uh, well, um, they're saying here, from what it says on Wikipedia, that this is being made in Unreal Engine 4. So yeah. that at least, mean, at least means it has a physics engine now. Yeah. Like, it's such a... Like, I, I enjoyed, whenever there was a good story in one of those, I enjoyed, like, it's not the kind of game I would want to play all the time, but every so often I enjoyed one of those. Like, I, 
I pretty well enjoyed the Game of Thrones one they did. Um, same with Tales from the Borderlands. God, it would have been nice if Batman rocked. Um, and yeah, Walking Dead was the good one, apart from Wolf Among Us uh, one. But uh, where, where are you with, with Telltale games, Garrett? It feels like a good Telltale game would be a nice sweet spot for you. Never touch them, unless other than the CSI oh. games, which I've now discovered were Telltale, and I played some of them. <laughs> So you're a big Telltale fan, but you just didn't know yeah. it. Yeah, like uh, Telltale was the thing I admired from afar and found like fascinating just as a company that exploded and then took on far more licenses that can, that, than they could possibly handle and then imploded. I think that's a really interesting video mm. game story, but I, I just, I, I never played any other games. Never even taught, never bought one. Never even gave it a 15 minute try, Dave. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Incredible scenes there, because I would have had you down for one. Uh, what? What are your takes on this, both Garrett and Jack, considering me and Mark were kind of just burying it there for a few minutes? Like, I, I find the, the weird corpse of Telltale thing weird. That doesn't inspire confidence in, like, is this going to be true to the original Wolf Among Us, or is it just these people have found this intellectual property and they're like, well, we have some of a game here, we might as well finish it and sell it to people. Because I don't think, have, have new Telltale released anything else other than maybe finishing some stuff? No. No. no, I think it was finished The Walking Dead and this was at some early stage of development, so do this as well, and then I think that's it. So at least that says they took some time on this. Yeah, because that was what, like... That was definitely pre-pandemic. I think 2019, like, the last season of The Walking good... Dead came out, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, wild, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. As I said, I find Telltale as a company far more interesting. They should make a Telltale game about the, the existence of Telltale. <laughs> I'm, the no clip doc on that uh, on that company would be unreal yeah um jack what do you think about all this yeah i i, I never played uh wolf among us uh the first one so i i don't necessarily have any specific mm. thoughts to it, that it's interesting but because think, were you a telltale guy other than that i i sort of dabbled in and out of a few mm. telltale games in terms of watching people play them, but never actually played one myself. Yeah. So like I'd, I'd watched bits and pieces on YouTube because I just, again, like Garrett, I was kind of intrigued by the fact that there's this company who have all of these massive, massive properties and they're making these cool kind of, you know, like talky through games, like experiences rather than uh, actual out and out games. So I watched some of it and yeah, I, I enjoyed broadly what I saw, but I, I just find it more fascinating that you managed to grow something like Telltale, literally, you know, new video game company rising from the ashes to get to the point where they're working with all these super established brands. And even with all of those brands and those names on board, they managed to tank it into the ground. Um, and I find that more fascinating than any of the games that they produced at any stage so uh yeah in terms of in terms of this one specifically in telltale games as a whole i don't have too many thoughts mm. um but i might go back at some point and play one of the games to see if i kind of enjoy playing through it i might like have a peek in at one of the guardians of the galaxy games probably the one that intrigues me the most um, having really enjoyed my my time with the other Guardians it, game last I year, will, and honestly, the gameplay not probably I, being I, that yeah, more advanced. I will I will just pull the bandaid off. There, it's not as good as that as the one from last year. I wouldn't expect it to be because no. that was that was a surprise. I think. But what about be... the music cuts? <laughs> well, look, let's not let's not reopen all <laughs> wounds here. 
please yeah. God, no. Let's uh, let's move on into the news and tell you what, let's take the, the shorter news story first and a follow-on from something we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Mark. Um, what's been happening over at Team 17? <laughs> the brain trust. So, you know, the, the, the one thing I did... I started writing this tweet, but I, I didn't know how to formulate it, but I'll try and say it here. The the one thing that the one good thing I've seen so far from gaming companies announcing their interest in NFTs and blockchains in the metaverse, or which are probably just coming from like the CEO and blindsiding the rest of the company, is it's kind of galvanizing the other members of the company to reach out to Eurogamer and everyone else and just say, Oh, by the way, this company's a fucking shit show. Um, which seems to have been the the case with Team 17. So yeah, last week, as we noted, that well, Team 17 brought the eye of the internet with the announcement about a range of collectible Worms NFTs. But while the reveal, swift condemnation, condemnation and embarrassing backtrack have now all passed, employees at the developers' main Wakefield and Nottingham sites remain stunned. Um, they say the incident reflects a company out of touch with its staff, and was yet to say sorry to the team members left in the internet's firing line. Um, so yeah, a, a bunch of um, employees under anonymity, there's a word, uh, spoke to Eurogamer and uh, said how they felt let down by how Team17 handled the announcement, uh, the company's refusal to listen to staff concerns. Um, apparently they're a workforce that already feel worn out at the moment. Um, Team 17 staff past and present confirmed the company has recently been shedding team members as many are fed up by low salaries, long hours and concerns around HR and upper management. Uh, team 17's public Glassdoor page paints a similar picture with many one-star reviews over the past six months and a further flurry after last week. Now, rather than brush in a tea blunder of the carpet, Team 17 members have told Eurogamer they need to speak out on a range of issues that bosses have to both acknowledge and improve. Um, so the article you know, goes on from there, but between this article and between people I've been speaking to that knew people that had either worked there or were working there, um, you know, there's like senior QA members on 19,000 a year, uh, just, you know, just like grossly underpaid um, employees and, you know, considering like the way things are in England at the moment and to some degree over here as well, you know, just, it's just not acceptable. And um, I, I can't remember the, the, the announcements that Team Seventeen made about like their profits last year, but they're in a pretty healthy place, and uh, their CEO, you know, took home a, a pretty kind of hefty financial package. And she's now also she's blocked her Twitter account because I imagine she was getting bombarded with, um, you know, <laughs> feedback, shall we say? And just yeah, this has all been a bit of a shit show, and it is what was just meant to be this, you know, grand announcement about a Worms NFT which looks shit to begin with, has now really shone a spotlight that the upper management of Team 17 probably wasn't expecting to happen. And also another case, and we was talking about this with um, with Activision and Ubisoft when we was doing the Game of the Year stuff last year, uh, another kind of glaring example of HR being there for the interests of the company and not the employees, uh, and that's just not what, HR should be so it's it's a pretty damning indictment of a read I'd recommend anyone to go check it out over on Eurogamer mm. and uh, yeah like there's no real hot takes here other than just 
what a shit show. It's interesting to yeah. see it as the the straw that breaks the camel's back moment for for a company like this, where it's like because if you're in the trenches like that, like together, like grinding out release schedules for games and and, and producing games and marketing games, and you're underpaid and you're overworked, that creates a sense of camaraderie within those people. And like the, there's a point in this, it's like these people actually take great pride in Team 17, you know, even if they're underpaid and badly treated, they, they take pride in their work and they take pride in what they do. So to see them being mistreated and underpaid and then the management and CEOs just throw the name Team 17 under the bus with NSVs, like that is just such a sense of betrayal when you've already given like so much of yourself to that company for so little return. And it, it just must be hard. And I can see why everyone's like, oh, well, fuck this, you know, fuck this company that we've given everything to and has given nothing to us. And then they just shattered the entire reputation we worked so hard to build with a single tweet. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, if other companies that are still looking into and toying with the idea of NFTs, like, I have to imagine they look at this and it's like, all right, well, we need to, you know, if in, if we are going to do it, we need to at least have this conversation with everyone in the company because that's one of the big things with this is clearly like these people saying either we were completely blindsided by this or you know you know we voiced our opinions and we're negative about this and while it's fuck nfts that's you know fair to say that's what our stance is like at least have the conversation at least you know announce to you to your employees that look this is a thing that we're doing you know but just to be so brazen about it and do this. And I, I wonder if other companies will at least look at this and think about, all right, we have to make sure that if we do this, we approach this, uh, you know, at least present this to the fucking company and um, and go from there. I, I can't remember who tweeted so, it, but someone yeah. mentioned, like, they got a bigger heads up about this Eurogamer article than they got about the actual launch of the NFTs in, <laughs> internally in the company. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um. Let's talk, I guess, about the Nintendo Direct that, you know, we, if you were uh, a keen Twitter follower, would have seen uh, we did a live react on Twitch. Um, well, uh, myself, Mark, Jack, and a uh, friend of the show and Grapp-Up co-host Brian Rose. Um, and it's safe to say it was, it, it exceeded expectations. Um, I, I thought this was just going to be, you know, uh, pepper in a couple of decent announcements with the usual like um, here's 4,000 things I could give a fuck about but have like shockingly hardcore communities Lenoa, around them baby. And we certainly yeah we did certainly get some of that but we got some absolute crackerjack announcements in here um, how do we want to I, I guess I suppose there's one voice on here who we didn't hear talk during the Nintendo Direct, and that's Garrett. So maybe, Garrett, uh, do you want to lead us off here and talk about some of your impressions, some of the, the highlights here, um, both as the fresh face and, I, I, I really think, the the Nintendo guy here. Oh, thank you. That should be the, the nexus of Nintendo, never mind humanity. But yeah, <laughs> I the, my big takeaway from this is I think Nintendo's 2022 is, like, so interesting. Assuming, like, everything hits... Yeah. They have such a wide variety of games in a bunch of different genres. Like, they have Advance Wars for a tactical RPG. They have Switch Sports, which is, like, the broadest game imaginable for the Animal Crossing folk. In theory, they have the likes of Bayonetta and Breath of the Wild if both hit their dates for, for like, the, the hardcore person who wants to, like, get, get a big, deep experience. They have Mario Strikers for the sports games. They have the Splatoon 3 and the Mario Kart DLC for like the multiplayer crowd 
it's it's really interesting. It's such an interesting, varied, and then Kirby, which is apparently the best game of all time, and. Yeah, I think that was my big takeaway. It's like, what is an interesting 2022 Nintendo have lined up yeah. for us? Oh, Kirby and definitely Portal. The game. For Portal, like. Portal 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> like, just fuck it. Drop that randomly in the middle. Like, not. I had never seen so much as a whisper about that being a thing. And then, boom, there you go. Um, yeah, Kirby, definitely the game for the meme people. Uh, although it, it does look great. Um, the, there's just a, the, the one thing there about Breath of the Wild, because I was on a call quickly before we um, we jumped onto this. And we, have like, you got exclusive news? No, no, I don't have exclusive news. But with this direct, Breath of the Wild does not need to come out this year. Well, like, no? they have like, not. No. Like, what's the fall game? This is this is the thing is like but, it, but this it, is it, the thing no 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 because I'm gonna say this right between the Mario Kart DLC which they've got like the waves that do yeah. they're doing that for um and um fuck what was my other point gonna be here uh, oh and the the Wii Sports thing yeah I think those two things are gonna carry Nintendo through the but rest of this year they all like they always try to do a here's your winter system seller even when thing. they I have nothing that. I get even that. when they had no games in the yeah. Wii U era there's like here's Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Yeah. It's utter and, garbage, but, they are but we still, have something. The thing, the they thing, are still selling fucking copies of Mario Kart 8, yeah. and now they have all of those but, people that can buy that DLC. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, they will. There, there will be people that definitely buy that DLC. Nintendo, but, like, um, the, the latest game like here they, is, is Xenoblade in September. Nintendo Nintendo have games yeah, in October and November. It, it, yeah, it very much, like, I that was one of the readings the more time I had uh, to think about it. I was like, they're not saying what the Christmas game is. And I think there's something, like, something either that is big or that, like Garrett said, they're going to try and make a thing. Like they used to do during the the Wii U era. They're going to try and make it a thing. Fucking Super Tits like, 2, I, here I we go. I think one of those oh, games um, will be Bayonetta, but, but that, that's not the winter game. That's a cool yeah. game released in October, yeah. November, but it's not the winter game. Yeah. Also, again, with that, like, the, there's there's two sides to look at that Mario Kart thing. One is like, oh, that's awesome, like, 48 new courses. But, like, again, on reflection, they couldn't have said in a louder tone of voice, we are not making Mario Kart 9 anytime Until fucking soon. Look, at the earliest. They... We, they we have, have all... no incentive to. No, it's, uh, people we, keep saying, like, they're have, making yeah. Mario Kart. No. Like, Mario Kart 9's in active development. Like, it, it's, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's their yeah. best-selling franchise. It's bigger than Mario. It's bigger yeah. than Zelda. It's bigger than literally yeah. anything else they do. Like, they're, they're making Mario the... Kart 9. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So the two options are, like, um, Breath of the... Like, again, like, so three options. There's the make-a-thing-happen Wii U style. There's Breath of the Wild. And then there's an unnamed thing you know uh, high expectation would make you want like Odyssey 2 or whatever the next Mario game is going to be um, there's like you know <laughs> let's all do the joke about Metroid as well <laughs> you know that game whatever the fuck is happening there the other thing that makes me think that there is a big deal for Christmas is that this is supposed to be the year with the fucking um, HD it's Switch probably. upgrade um so if they're trying to shift consoles in quarter four, there's going to be fucking something. If there's one thing Nintendo are good at is like holding some shit back. And yeah, they, um, there are, there so are two that games that, well, three, Breath of the Wild, three games that were, that are listed for 2022 that weren't in this direct, which is Breath of the Wild Bayonetta and Mario and Rabbids 2. Actually, yeah. if there's one thing uh, Nintendo are good at, it's having a Zelda console on two different yeah. platforms. Yep. 
like yeah. if, if I were to say if they're going to pull something out of left field, I would say it's one of two things. It'll be 2D Mario, which there hasn't been one on Switch yet, or a new Donkey Kong yeah. game. Yeah, Donkey Kong was the one that I actually was expecting during this. I thought like you know, they had the when Metroid got shuffled around between studios, it left some people free that I thought maybe maybe at like whatever the next kind of tropical freeze thing is, like not necessarily a tropical freeze too, but you know, the next one of those, like, oh, it's a new fucking Donkey Kong game. Yeah. Cool. Um like I that's obviously not a system seller on the level of a Smash, a Mario Kart, a Mario, or a Legend of Zelda, but it is definitely a big Nintendo IP that they can go, fuck, here's the Christmas game that we're bundling in with these new consoles, or just here's the Christmas game if that fucking console slips another I, I year. Remember, was, did I imagine that there were rumours that the Mario team were making a Donkey Kong game? Wasn't that a thing last year? That rings a bell. Um, it's not, not a thing I remember. I would be but that's cool what like that. the Mario Odyssey team have moved on to because like Retro obviously who made Tropical Freeze they're making Metroid Prime at the moment Metroid Prime yeah. 4 so mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe well, who yeah, knows it, it's presumably they're still making it probably yeah uh, the real Prime 4 were the friends who made along the way <laughs> yeah it is interesting because like they're not going to do a direct in, in June that doesn't have something big you know yeah, well, this is it. Like, this is a lot to just throw out there if there isn't a heavy hitter during, like, whether E3 exists or it's just that summer period where people are dying for what's coming out towards Christmas announcements. Like, you absolutely could have held some of this shit back uh, if you wanted Cause to. As much as I think this is a really good direct with a lot of cool things, there wasn't that thing, you know? That, that one thing that's like, oh, yeah. that's the big one. Um, I, I don't know, like, it depends on which angle you come from, right? Like, so if you're an Earthbound fanatic, which is, uh, if you like Earthbound, you're probably fanatic. Like that, you know, coming to Switch, I think that's a massive thing for those yeah, people. Yeah, Mark, the, pe- I, the people who, who are obsessive about Earthbound already have Switches. I realize <laughs> you know? this, I realize this, but <laughs> like, I still think that's a massive thing. Um, yeah. I, I think that Kirby got a lot of traction out of this and maybe it's just like yeah. it's a, a meme ecosphere like bubble thing and it actually yeah. isn't that big but I feel like like Kirby went from being kind of here to up here in terms Kirby. of people being anticipate anticipating it yeah Kirby as you like for a long time being like Yoshi tier yeah but this <laughs> this looks like Kirby but in Mario oh, Odyssey I have to push back know? on yeah. that too people keep saying that it's not oh, it's it's Kirby and really? Mario it's Mario 3D World it's not Odyssey because I, I think this is level-based where each individual power has its own, like, level, as opposed to, like, some sandbox open-worldy. I think it's I, I think the, the better uh, analog for it is, like, Mario Galaxy, Mario 3D World, as opposed to the larger sandbox of Mario Odyssey. I'll tell you who I want to We'll have to that hear. conversation when it comes to I will to be it. right, goddamn. I'll tell you who I want... <laughs> i tell you who I want to hear talk about um, Nintendo... And that is sports correspondent Jack yeah, Lazell. Because between between Switch Sport and the game we completely glossed over, the return of Mario Strikers, there is plenty of sport to dig into. Yeah, I, I think I can't remember who it was that brought it up on the uh on, on the stream the other day, but when we had the new Mario Strikers and we were initially all super excited, I can't remember who the bummer was. I, I want to say it was Mark. It was. It was <laughs> no me. Offense, no, buddy. it was me. Was it you? Yeah, yeah. Right. Who was just like, oh yeah, but do you remember how bad those golf and those tennis games were? And I was like, oh yeah. I still think I'm gonna get suckered into buying Mario Strikers because I think it no, looks. No, really yeah, cool. Would you yeah, like me to, to try and make you feel better about it, Jack? 
So those sports games were made by Camelot. And we don't know who's making yeah. this game. Now, the team that previously made Mario Strikers was Next Level Games, who were the people who made Mario Strikers, who made Luigi's Mansion 3, who are people who make very good games. So if it is Next Level Games making this, this Mario Strikers game, I think it, there's good reason to be very excited. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But like, so Camelot had made good games in the past, which is why I was so shocked at how They're bad They're on a bit of a streak were. of bad games now, so I. Since like the, the, the Wii U Mario yeah, Tennis game, I, we've had a bit of a run of like very middling to good at best Mario sports games. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe I'm just pining for the old days. But the, uh, the, the Switch sports thing looks really cool. I've got to say, like, I, I love the way it looked. Um, just like the presentation of it and to have... As Mark said, like have a bowling game back in there, and you know, even though the golf thing's not coming immediately, that looked pretty cool coming down the pike. Um, I absolutely not one for the uh, wearing the peripheral that you strap around your leg to then volley balls into a goal. That looked insane, and like it, you're just going to be hoofing your uh, your your switch remote all over the the living breaking TVs two thousand six uh, Wii I, style baby. Hell yeah. I gotta say. But worse though, because Garrett, like, there's one thing throwing <laughs> your Switch controller, uh, like, or, or a Wii controller, actually kicking it, the violence Oofana. of that action, possibly going through walls. At least, into, I, know, I will say, at least the strap for the for uh, the soccer game appears to be, like, on the thigh, because if it was down, like, towards the ankle and you got the full extension of the leg before the thing fell off and flew with the TV then it's real like you get full speed on that fucker I've got to be honest I find it surprising that there wasn't a Wii and maybe we had this conversation at the time but like that there wasn't a Wii Sports style game at launch well they they made Wii U Sports which was free to play and then you had to buy passes for each game it was like the I was going to say, imagine hoofing that fucking gamepad at a TV. <laughs> like, the, the Wii U Sports was, like, the weirdest monetization model for a game like this I've ever seen. And, like, no one bought it. So I, I no. think they were like, let's go... I didn't even remember that yeah, was a no, fucking no one thing does. until you just mentioned it No one it bought there. a Wii U, though, yeah. yeah, so it, it is interesting that they went for, like, the, the thing that shows off the HD Rumble, and now they're just like, listen, we're still back on my, uh, gyro and motion controls. We're, we're ignoring the HD Rumble stuff now. Do you think if it wasn't for Mario Kart 8, literally no one would have bought a Wii U? They just people would have just sort of carefully ignored it. Um, and waited for something no, because it still had stuff like Splatoon, um, and had like mm. the original Mario Maker. You know, like yeah, and the yeah, Wind Waker I, I give you a Mario Maker, but Splatoon was kind of a thing where like I don't know if Splatoon one like no. is converting a huge amount of people without, without like yeah, um, it's more people it, who already have a Wii U being like, oh, this is a new cool game. Yeah, I don't think you make it far enough into the Wii U's life cycle hey, to hey, get Splatoon. Hey, I bought a Switch. <laughs> I bought a Switch specifically because I got a Splatoon 2 bundle with it because I'm going to play Splatoon 2. Yeah, well, but maybe that's just a me but, thing. But yeah, I was going to say, Mark, as ever, you are the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> but also, Mark, you were excited about Splatoon having previously played Splatoon. Um, when it was a new thing. Yeah, I suppose. Would you, would you have had that level oh, How of, cool of was that Splatoon 3 trailer, I, by the way? Possibly not. Oh yeah, yeah. With the weird Chunky like yeah, robot uh, fish yeah. and stuff. Delighted, delighted that Salmon Run is back. I hope it's not a a time limited thing like it has been in the past. I found um, it very funny that the people were like, "Oh, I, this isn't Splatoon music." It's like you didn't play Salmon Run in the original game. This is very Splatoon music. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like way into Splatoon two. Uh, for a while, I was late coming to it. Uh, I was way into it for a while, and then when they kind of did the thing where I was like, okay, we've kind of run out of ideas for Splatfests, so now when they come back, it'll be kind of we're just gonna do some of the old ones over again. I was like, oh, we've already okay. moved on to Splatoon I, I, three. Bye. <laughs> I, yeah. I will say I am concerned only in the sense that like what can a Splatoon three like bring to the table that we didn't because I think part of the thing with Splatoon two as it <laughs> haven't was we with, said all we need to say with Splatoon one and two but but no it's just a case of like because this is like saying you can extend to you know a lot of games including like like Mario Kart eight that a lot of the sequels that we got that were on the Switch from the Wii U it was more just a I'm just happy that this is on the Switch and people can actually fucking play these things now but like what does a, Sw- a Splatoon three bring that was on a Splatoon 2 like well the, the development times you know? are interesting because like Splatoon was 2015 Splatoon 2 was 2017 like that's two years turnaround so they didn't have really any time to do much new in Splatoon 2 or it's like but they didn't need it, to you know because it was just like hey let's get this on like, Switch now it's, you know? it's been five years since Splatoon 2 so like that's yeah. that's a yeah. good chunk of change to make something new and, and they haven't showed what's new because like obviously Salmon Run was a mode in the previous game which a mode I very much enjoy I think it's a really, it's a horde mode you can't yeah. go wrong and like the single player yeah. is always nifty and really cool and teaches you the mechanics and obviously the multiplayer stuff. So I'm interested, and, do they have a new multiplayer and, mode? And and I think much as the, you know, we talked about it on the stream that the Octo expansion was what it was and it was quite limited and it's their first foray into doing something like trying to give you something to do besides the standard multiplayer modes. It did tell me at the time as like they have ideas to mm-hmm. do different things. And maybe it's just that, like Gareth has said there, they basically didn't have the fucking time uh, before. And, and now with the longer lead-in, um, maybe they will. And I, I think maybe um, they will get... They, this thing will have a longer tail in terms of support. Um, I would like to think so. Um, because I will basically be playing this thing for as long as they're throwing new shit at it. I'm I'm quite ready and excited for another Splatoon. Now, we didn't mention it when covering Switch Sports, but it was a very quick screen where it was like Last Man Standing Bowling, basically Bowling Battle Royal. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I got <laughs> so I, excited. I can't wait for that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, again, the thing that I keep coming back to, the implication with the, the golf thing that they are going to be adding mm. further sports. Yeah, is really that's cool. that's really exciting. I, yeah. I look forward to seeing like if they'll do more past golf as well. But I'm I'm yeah. happy that they will bow on golf. Look, this is a like this is a generation of Nintendo trying that sort of shit. It's like let's just keep dropping stuff finally for these things that people are already enjoying. Let's just like, keep dropping like fucking unexplored Japanese jrpgs that you know have never been released in the west again like mario kart 8 which is a nearly like nearly five year old deluxe port of a game from a previous generation let's just fucking do 48 more whole new mario kart that's like (laughs) the same number of courses in the like base deluxe game just times two let's do a whole new mario kart yeah and bring and and they're all gonna be revamps of your faves like Fucking like, <laughs> I'm as just as disappointed not getting Mario Kart Nine as the next guy, but like, it basically is Mario Kart Nine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is Mario Kart Nine. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. like, what was really interesting as well because I was immediately looking on Twitter and seeing people's reactions about like how much is this going to cost, and you know, it first comes up that hey, it's going to be twenty four ninety nine, whatever it was, but it was like. 
this show could be a thing that they could do on the the switch online bundle as well then boom there it is and it's like you know slowly but surely they're going to drip feed things onto that expansion bundle and we've gone from hey here's the n64 and the expansion with it and people going i don't really see what the money's worth to no we're kind of getting to the point now between the animal crossing dlc this there's going to be more stuff in the future you know like that that expansion is slowly but surely getting you getting it your functionally money pays for, it. for itself mm. yeah yeah and obviously of course i assume everyone's very excited for zen chronicles 3 <sighs> yeah. uh, well yeah, i mean you, you said nothing about massive reveals mark but the xenoblade is a pretty yeah. big cult following. i realize this i'm aware of yeah. this i am just i i have never been and never will have any interest in this yeah, so they definitely they bookended the thing with um anime and anime ga- yeah games that have hardcore communities and are particularly big in japan so you got like f- a fire emblem di- uh, dynasty warriors starting the show and then ending it with the, the xenoblade 3 reveal so they they are fucking they will do numbers and it's it's fairly i have brute say. forced my way into being a xenoblade guy I was like, I oh, yeah. don't like those games in terms of how they play. I think they're actually not particularly fun. But I think everything else about them is really cool. Like, they have really cool worlds and characters and just, like, amazing music. Like, Xenoblade 2 has one of the best soundtracks you'll ever hear in your life. It's like, yes, I know you could You could just go listen to it on YouTube. You, you don't have, have to play the thing. Because the, the world is actually fun to explore. They have these big sprawling areas with all these enemies and all these cool... They like do. Everything about that game is really cool, except the actual combat and like fighting things, which is actually pretty boring. This is not the most compelling argument you've ever made, yeah. I've got to be honest. That's how I feel about Yakuza, to be honest. Yeah. The, the worst thing about it is the thing Mark likes the most. <laughs> you know the actual playing of the video game? It's not great, but like the thing is pretty, and like yeah. the, you can listen to the really cool Yasunori Matsuda music, or Ace. Ace is the best like composer in video games. They make all of the best Smash remixes. Like the exploration music in Xenoblade, it's always the case where you have like the Gower Plains in the first one, or the, the Garmoth theme in the second one, where you just walk out into the open field, and like the, the, the instruments swell, and you get that moment where it's like, look at this big open world, and you have the cool music, and it's so great and cool isn't it as like oh if only these games were fun <laughs> so you're telling me yeah. that i definitely need to go listen to some of this soundtrack before oh game like year, there right? there's because uh, i looked at the, the there's a little announcement on nintendo's website of it like a message from the developers and they're like and here's the composer team it's mostly the people from xenoblade 2 who made like the best music you'll ever hear in your life There's even there's Fair a enough. battle team in I, the I dlc in the torna dlc like which i haven't played but i've listened to the music and it's like I was gonna say, man, you really got deep in the weeds on Because <laughs> it's like there's a battle theme in the Torna DLC of Xenoblade 2 that is like, it's so good. It's insanely good. It's like, why did you try this hard on Xenoblade DLC? You gotta respect it. You gotta I, I wanna yeah. I wanna ask you, Garrett, because it's it's not often that a, a a remake or a reboot or whatever comes along for a game that I'd never heard of. And but I know that you're the, the kind of Squeenix person here, but like Live Alive, is this a thing that no, you'd ever heard of? You knew anything remotely. about? Because I, no? I knew I know the Secret no. of Mana third game was one of the big ones that was never released in America, uh Sick and Tetsu 3, that was never released and then did finally get a release in that connection uh, collection a couple of years back. That, I think that like that was the one I'd heard everyone been like, oh if all and obviously Mother 3 is the other 
another big one. Everyone's relentlessly heard of Mother 3 for years. Those are like the two big ones people were like really gagging for. I, I haven't heard a word about Alive uh, live, live, uh, live, live Alive. There we go. Um, I know yeah. Per Schneider, who is like the, the head of IGN, did a Twitter yes. thread on it. Yeah, he like he called it his favorite JRPG of all time. Which is very high praise because I know he was someone who lived in Japan in the nineties, so he probably would have been exposed to a lot of these games at the time. So yeah, I'm very interested to play it. It sounds like a very interesting, and obviously the HD two D games look so nice. Say what you will about Triangle Strategies' talkiness, it's a very nice looking game. So, oh yeah, that engine is. And there's a Dragon Quest remake coming out in that style as well. It's that's very nice. Make all the games on that. And yeah, very like it, it amuses me. Fair enough. There's like very big like casual games in coming up, like Splatoon, like the Mario Kart DLC, like obviously Switch Sports. But it does amuse me that so much of this direct is like niche genre games for the system that sold 103 million units. It's like, hey, you yeah. bought your Animal Crossing? How about a Chrono Cross release? Oh, Live Alive, yeah, Xenoblade Three. Those are the games you want after Animal Crossing. Yeah, and and then again, there's like random stuff like fucking just Portal mm. just dropped, you know. Um, out no Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, yeah. Which yeah. again, I was like, I just figured that it was already on the Switch. So that one came as a surprise to me. But um, yeah, I, the thing with that is uh, everyone's saying is like, that must be like cloud-based because how the fuck that thing's going to run? It's got to be. Like, I mean, by the, the nature of the game itself, like so much of it is cloud-based. Or yeah. is it so, uh, secretly it sounds a like, Switch Pro game? Oh, Looking at these games, it's like maybe it is. Maybe there's some secret switch. The tinfoil has. It's like, oh, is the on. only way No Man's Sky could run on Switch is if the Switch Pro's coming out. When did they say it's summer? Didn't they? It's for. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that cracks me up is like w- within all of this as well. Like Disney have this free-to-play cart game that just like in the same announce uh, like direct. Oh, by the way, forty-eight new Mario Kart tracks. Like you know probably smart to make it a free-to-play thing for that i'll probably at least pick it up and, and try it and see what it's like but and it's definitely like we, you know, you know we got to acknowledge how many of you know capital t capital k the kids have switch and they'll be fucking bet into this yeah you know what i mean i completely forgotten about that like i remembered like live alive before i would have remembered that Disney your mind is just on chocobo yeah, racing gp get... i get a jack you, you there's only room for one heart rate <laughs> yeah, I, it, it really is i <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't wait for it. I, I think I, as well is because it came in. There was like a, 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 like three or four games in a row. They were like Front Mission, Speedstorm, The Force Unleashed, and that Gundam thing. Whereas, like, okay, my brain is switching off here because there's nothing here of interest. Yeah. And then Kirby boom, ate Kirby, a car, and it's like, oh, it. <laughs> yeah. I got, spe- speaking of cart racers, by the way, I, I I meant to mention earlier when I was talking about my work, I had a. Uh, one of the 15-year-olds uh, in one of the groups pulled a Whizpig reference on me this week. Whizpig? The, the, the evil pig in Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit, dude. That's a fucking deep pull. Will, will, it, be, a, will it be Mario Kart 9 that we finally get a story mode? Oh. <laughs> Probably not. Story mode. Get it by the batshit people doing the Mario Rabbids story mode. Oh oh my god, that'd be amazing. No, because then it means we'll probably get Rabbids in the... Well, I guess they could do anything at this point with... with, Yeah, uh, the other thing they say for Mario Kart is like open up to just like just have Nintendo characters in general and the likes of Link coming in is the start of that. And I can only hope based on this week's news that you get Kirby in and it's him doing (laughs) mouthful mode on the cart. (laughs) It's the only way you can do it, guys. 
Oh, I just man. think the the finish line should just be Kirby's giant gaping mouth. <laughs> oh, um, you'd have a race course where everything is Kirby all the time. That'd be a race course yeah. where like you start and you go into Kirby's mouth and then come out the other end and you know you do a lap. No, no, way. no. You, but no, no, no. You don't. They don't. You don't know. But you're racing inside of a Kirby and you have a massive existential crisis yeah. about what's happening until you escape at well, the end. Maybe, too busy maybe thinking about sexless rock. Yeah, maybe. Um, metroid prime 4 is going to be like kirby has inhaled the universe itself and become a singularity kirby was the original metroid uh yeah um because the new mercy. kirby game is post-apocalyptic so it's actually building toward metroid <laughs> that's right yeah i forgot i keep forgetting that element of it that it's in this weird kind of like cartoony oh last of us sort of world what the fuck is this game Oh, so hyped. I think on the note of Kirby becoming a singularity, we should leave it at that for the week, gentlemen. Um, this has been another episode of Link to the Cast. Thanks for listening in. Uh, follow us at Link to the Cast on Twitter if you want to catch up with what we're doing. Ask a question like Nathan did this week. Thank you again, Nathan. Um, or just, you know, give your takes on what we've been talking about or what you'd like us to cover. Individually, I'm at the Day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. Jack is at Jack Lazell. And Garrett is at Garrett Kidney. Thank you for tuning in, as I said, to another Link to the Cast. We'll talk to you again next week. Be safe and good luck. <laughs>